Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Backseat GM Podcast. I'm Ben Rauman. And I'm Zach. You know the last name. Yes, we do. Um, (laughs) How you been, Zach? I've been okay. Uh, My boss is on vacation, and then his boss is going to be on vacation next week, and then his brother, who's also my boss, will be on vacation next week. So I just fired off a um, very lengthy email to my boss discussing what I've done while he's gone. So, but I gave, I, I did a, I did a three bullet summary and then I did like a seven numbered thing. Cause he gave me seven tasks to do. So mm-hmm. I, I told him what I did for each task, but at the top I gave him a tight little, 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 little review. So he doesn't, it doesn't, you know, a tight little. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have to, summary. I don't want him to read all the task lists. I just want him to stop at stop at the summary and then, um, and then we can talk about it. You're working on the Penske file? Yeah. <laughs> the Costanza, Costanza Penske file? Yeah. What so uh, what exactly uh, what, what exactly are you looking for? Oh, you're doing a great job, George. Don't worry about it. It wasn't the Penske file. Let me research Yeah, that's I what mean, it was. That's what it was. It was the Penske file. I don't think it was Penske. Penske is a pole in Fenway Park. I literally just looked it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Penske. Oh, it is Penske. He's like, wasn't that the episode where he's like trying to hear the instructions from his boss, but his boss goes in the bathroom stall and he doesn't want to follow him in there. So he's telling him about it while he's in the bathroom stall, but George George doesn't want to go into the bathroom with him. So he misses the entire instructions and he's too afraid to ask again. And then he just sits at his desk and folds, yeah. goes through his accordion file. Twiddles his thumbs. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> takes a nap underneath. Yeah. Uh but yeah, let's uh, let's get right into the Kevin McHale, oh, okay. the part of the show where we talk about a beer that we've picked and popped this week. Some crafty hops with sneaky athleticism. Zach, would you like to go first? I would. Um, I recently moved. That's also another life update. And the total wine nearby probably has the biggest crafter selection I've seen. Personally, not, I'm not saying it's in the world or in Houston. I'm not, I'm not saying I found the world's largest, you know, war chest of craft beer, but it's the largest I've seen, and that's I'm not saying nothing. Um, so they've got all a bunch of old Bell, Bell's releases that I've, I picked up. Some 512 Magnum. Um, some Magnums. Glasses, yeah. Wow. The only Magnums I have in my apartment. <laughs> um, and, but I guess the one I'll zero in on, those will be coming up. And also, St. Arnold's releasing a stout pretty soon. You're, zero, you're zeroing in on it? Like uh, like an NBA team during the draft? Yeah. Oh, it's, on, it's on my big board. Um, we got a lot to talk about on, on Godling here. Um, Solarized by Odell. And, you know, you always, we always get hyped about their double IPA. Um, releases, but limited releases, and this is a yuzu flavored double IPA. I've never had yuzu before, but my mom recommended take recommended me to take yuzu for pain management. So really? I'm, I'm having the best of both worlds here. That's great. Yeah, it's like it's like a tropical blast. It's not. It's like a, imagine if a pineapple and a mango and a guava and a jackfruit had a baby, and this is that's what I would describe yuzu. In this beer form, so it's very, very refreshing. Can't even taste the alcohol. It tastes almost like 
it goes down like orange juice. So, real dangerous. Like orange juice? Yeah, it goes down very smooth. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, for my Kevin McHale, I'm hearkening back to a beer that Hark- I had. Hearkening? Hearkening back to... Uh, the context will be clear soon. To a beer that I had during Game 3 of the Bucks Net Series. I was at a beer garden. Um, went with my friend. We were watching the game, and I had this... Belgian pale ale uh, called the Powell Quack. Uh, Pow is in Pau Gasol with a W-E-L attached to the end. Uh, Quack, K-W-A-K. Um, but I'm hearkening back to this. Um, I want to tell a little a little tale of the, uh, the Powell Quack. Um, according to the description on Untapped, in Napoleon's time, Powell Kwok was a brewer and the owner of De Horn Inn in Dendermond. Male coaches stopped there every day, but at the time, coachmen were not allowed to leave their coach and horses in order to have their thirst quenched during their travels. Uh, as a result, the inventive innkeeper had a special glass blown that could be hung on the coach. And the, ga- the glass that you have looks like a... It's got like a big... Uh, ball at the end of it and it's like skinny like a test tube and then it's got like a tulip at the top like a tulip glass shape at the top so and it holds in like a it's like a really weird wooden uh gripper and you like you kind of like you grab the gripper and it like kind of like a mug but it's like test tube shaped and very weird um but i thought that was a very interesting story uh, of the old napoleon era Uh, for those of you at home who can't see the video, it looks, some, looks like Ben's like jacking off a, a cow right now. He's like, gra- like when he's describing this, this. It's very year. bulbous, but it's also you know. <laughs> he's caressing, he's caressing the air in a very phallic and sexual manner. So, but it's a uh, it's a really good beer. Um, I wouldn't like. You wouldn't think of it as a pale ale by the taste. Mm. It's kind of like banana and licorice. Banana. Um, and spice. All right. What are you, 12? Leaves a bad it's like, it's like spicy licorice and banana flavors, some coriander. It's super good. Um, Sounds complex. Very complex. It's almost like a it's like a Belgian Hefeweizen more than a pale ale, but it's called a pale ale. Um, so, um, big fan of that. Gave it a, uh, give it like a four- Point oh, I think. Um, Sounds so like it's got a good mouthfeel. Pretty mouth solid. Feel. Pretty solid. Definitely good mouthfeel. Um, <laughs> let's go to our airballing of grievances. The part of the show where we talk about something we need to get off our chest this week. Uh, shout out to George Costanza. This episode twenty-five slash thirty, and we're just now giving him a shout out. And I'm inter- I'm interrupting the podcast. I'm sorry. It's episode nineteen, and we just talked about him in our intro so uh, yeah. i'm sorry i don't know why I said that. How, how about you finish your bourbon and call it it's in. not it's not bourbon it's scotch okay zach what is something you need to get off your chest this week well i won't you know dawdle like i've I've done this whole entire podcast yeah we want to we want to talk about basketball that's actually happened right but um and it's late and and we both want to go to bed at some point but well um, one, one of us do um but oh i, I want to stay up late and sit on my balcony and Listen to the rain. Um, but anyway, my airballing grievance is um, so today, Stephen A. Smith, 
I haven't listened to Stephen A. Smith in a long time, but it was it was blowing up Twitter. It, it almost melted Twitter down, even though it didn't. Um, and he was talking about how Devin Booker um, is turning into the next Kobe. And there's a lot of parallels. I love Devin Booker. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a very big Kobe fan. I've got like 11 pairs of Kobe's. I've got a couple of jerseys. I'm a huge Kobe fan. And the mentorship that Kobe had with Devin Booker and how he told him to be legendary. And Devin Booker writes, be legendary on his shoes before every game. And he wears Kobe's. And his game's sometimes very similar to Kobe's. Um, it's just, I, my airball agreements here is just sensationalizing everything that happens in the NBA. And, and comparing it to trying to find a place in history where this event um, happens. And sometimes it, every event is its own history pocket. And it doesn't have to be compared to something in the past. Mm-hmm. Just because I wipe my ass and pick my nose doesn't mean I need to be compared to, like, I don't know, a licorice stick. That hap- that was invented in 1945. That, that wiped its ass and picked its nose. Right. Just because that happened doesn't mean that I'm automatically compared to that. So yes, Kobe and Devin Booker share a lot of similarities. But when Stephen A. Smith says that Devin Booker is the next Kobe, you know, what does that, that even that mean? It's like their games they have some similarities, but like Kobe was way more athletic. He was a way better defender. Like exactly. I mean, and some it, of their exactly. footwork is really. Like it's similar. They have good. Both had good mid-range games. Their mid-range was better than their three-point shooting often, which is a little bit similar in some ways. But it's like you don't have to compare a young player to an all-time great just because he's you know doing well. You can just let him be him and let him write his own legacy. Exactly. And Devin Booker is playing like 2007 Kobe. He's not playing like. 23 year old Froby Kobe who's already mm-hmm. won three championships at this point and yes Devin Booker hasn't played with didn't play with Shaq but at the right. same age right Kobe Kobe's had three championships and has played in three finals so uh-huh. just to compare the two like that and he hey Devin Booker may win a finals this year but exactly what you said yeah their games share some similarities but he could say he's the most Kobe-esque player we've seen at, at his age maybe we can argue that but to, I just don't like you know and then just, yeah I, I think the, the point's been made is just, and that, not just this one example, but other examples is not everything that happens in the NBA needs to be, be compared to something. Historic. Like Trey Young doesn't have to be Steph Curry. No, he doesn't. It, it, it's, it's exactly like that. It's like, you don't need to compare these up and coming stars to players that have come before them. And last thing, do we want to compare Chris Paul to Stockton and kid and then talk about their legacies that Chris Paul is now in the Western conference finals? Yeah, we I mean, can do I that. Mean, Cause I mean, Chris Paul, better. Pause. Better than Stockton? Yeah. No. And it's not close. It's Ben. Zach. No. Yes. Do you know how do you know how many games Stockton's missed in his career? I don't care. Do you know he's missed twenty games in a twenty year career? Okay. Do you know how many more assists he has than Chris Paul? Okay. Do, do you know for a, a got, got, the, stretch, got those got those uh got those no. jazz assists for a we were talking about last episode? <laughs> There's a 10-year stretch. The home court advantage uh, scorekeeper's assist. <laughs> no. There's a Throwing it down to Malone in the post. Where he was averaging 18 and 13 every single night. He was he's a they're both comparable defenders. And also Stockton's the all-time leader in steals. He's the all-time leader in assist. No one's ever going to break his assist record. And he's played in two finals, something Chris Paul hasn't done yet. So in a very tough era, especially in the Western Conference, when you have the Sonics and you also had the Lakers when he was and you had the trailblazers as well. So um, Chris Paul's a hell of a player. He's a top three point guard, in my opinion, maybe top four. 
Yeah, yeah, Magic. If he's, t- if he's top three, then Stockton's not better than him. Well, I, I when I said top three, I forgot Steph. Steph's a point guard in Moscow. You got, you got, I mean, you have a top, you have a top five. I say it goes Magic, Steph, Paul, probably Stockton after that. But I, I got Oscar. That's, Robertson. that's just mine. I have Oscar Robertson. Over Oscar's up there too. Oscar's definitely up there. I have it as um, Magic, Steph, Oscar, Stockton, Chris Paul, in my opinion, for point guards. I just think Stockton's better. I definitely wouldn't have Oscar in front of Chris Paul, but. Wow. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We'll talk about this another time, but um, I, I, I was looking at, at some, some old stats and the way this, the way Stockton played and, Anyway, but also Stockton's an anti-vaxxer, so I don't know why I'm defending him. Yeah, I don't Carry either. on. What's your uh, uh, ball? This is a very odd, very odd time to defend John Stockton. <laughs> Stockton alone, leaving behind a legacy that can Interesting that this is the hill that Zach's dying on. <laughs> Less than a week after Stockton, Stockton was a bad man. You, you ask any, any player in the 80s and 90s, Stockton was a bad motherfucker. Of course he was. He's a top four point guard ever. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to my airballing of grievance this week. Um, yes. So there's some young stars recently in the news, um, oh. and not for the reasons they should be. Um, let's 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 first talk about the uh, the Zion Williamson Williamson thing, um, and then we'll move on to the Luca thing. But so. Uh, Stan Van Gundy was recently let go from the Pelicans, and then there was a news leak that Zion's family wasn't happy with the city that Zion is playing in, um, which of course led to all kinds of speculation about, you know, is, is Zion going to stay in New Orleans? Is he going to New York? Because one time he said he likes playing at Madison Square Garden. Um, and like, uh, this is, you know, following his second season um, in the NBA. And then, you know, we'll dig in a little bit deeper into this later, but there's been a lot of Dallas Mavericks dysfunction and rumors circulating about Luka Doncic not wanting to be there anymore and all that. And, you know, this is the thing that constantly circulates the the Max Kellermans and the, uh, the Callan Cowards and the Shannon Sharps, Stephen A. Smiths of the world. Um it's the number one thing on all the talk shows when, you know, there's some actually good basketball being played in the playoffs and we have some of the greatest, you know, playoff games and series in recent memory. And that's uh, being overshadowed by will young star uh, entering year three, leave his team in a couple years. Stupidest part of the NBA discourse every single year. It's always something. It's always, will Giannis leave? Will Luka leave? Will Zion leave? Will um, Ja Morant stay with the Grizzlies through his contract? Like, dumbest thing ever. I fucking hate it. Uh, we need to do better. Media, NBA media needs to do better. I think I think I agree. I mean, if there's tangible rumors that the guy wants to leave, let's talk about it. But let's not just write hit, hit pieces and and try to move stars to different places. Like, are we going to ever see a Kobe and Dur- and Duncan where they stay 20 years? Maybe Giannis will do that. But Zion is, be- Zion is entering year three of his NBA deal, and it's a 
rumor about a family member not wanting him to be in New Orleans or not liking New Orleans. Like that is I think that, I a think huge to, stretch. It's a huge stretch. News, and the it fact that it the fact that it gets catapulted into number one in the fucking news, stupid. It, it shouldn't even be, be a conversation. He can't leave. He's under contract. He's a young guy. He, he doesn't have the leverage yet. Absolutely. If he doesn't want to play, he can just sit out the next two years. Well, then more power to him. Then he's at an all-time low and he won't get paid as well. You don't think anybody's going to pay him? He, they're not, he's not going to get paid what he could get paid if he actually plays and plays well. Mm-hmm. To let the Anthony Davis. <laughs> I think that I, I agree with Anthony you. Davis was already a really, 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 really good player by the time he forced his way out. And he I was mean, also how many seasons deep with the Pelicans? It's not like Zion's not an all-star, but, you know. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, Mickey Mouse all-star. Look, I agree with you, and I, I want players to stay in their hometown for as long as possible. But I think, but I think if there's a, a thing about them in the news, then someone's going to pick it up in the news sources. So might as well the big guys pick it up. Otherwise, they won't tune into the big guys anymore because they're not picking up these kind of stories. You got to you got to talk about it. it's an, it's an, no it's the big an, guys the big guys should be talking about the actual like NBA content that's happening instead of just stupid rumors that are never going to happen. Ben, what are we talking well, about? Well, Zion go to New York. Oh, because he said, I really like playing at Madison Square Garden. It's the type of shit that we don't need in NBA discourse on the regular. I'm sorry. Ben, what are we talking about right now? We're talking about my grievance. <laughs> I'm very sounds, grieved. It sounds like we're not talking about the game, which you're complaining about. Yeah, I'm complaining about not talking about the game by not talking about the game. All right. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Let's go to our news. Speaking of the game. Speaking of the game, Luka uh, Doncic. <laughs> let's talk about some NBA news uh, that has transpired uh, over the past week and a half, two weeks. How long has it been since we recorded? I don't know. Since the I, start I of the second. Since round. the start of the second round, um, Trader Brad, uh, Brad Stevens, who stepped down as Celtics head coach, became president of basketball operations. Uh, in his first move as the decision maker, ships out. Kemba Walker and a first round pick uh, for Al Horford, uh, who is 35. The Oklahoma City Thunder get yet another first round pick to add to their 20,000 total in the next seven, eight drafts. Um, So this is in a long line of moves for OKC. Uh, It started off with them trading... Carmelo Anthony in a first for Dennis Schroeder, who then they flipped for Danny Green in a first, for Al Horford in a first, for Kemba Walker in a first. Um, so they've basically turned Melo in a first into three first-round picks and Kemba Walker. Not too shabby. Um, and that's just you know one train of their kajillion moves that they've made in the past couple seasons to net them this many picks but uh boston celtics now have four centers on their roster um which is interesting assuming they'll be getting rid of at least one maybe two of them uh tristan thompson has to be gone right i mean they have four centers on the roster but none of them are named daniel tice (laughs) that's right the guy who you know would have probably gotten a lot of their playoff minutes. 
I mean, they still would have lost to the to the Nets because that's probably was... what Danny Ainge was thinking. We're gonna get destroyed by Brooklyn anyway. Might as well uh, <laughs> shave some salary cap. But uh, I mean, does yeah, this I mean, even okay. save them any money on Kemba at all? Maybe a little bit. It saves them eight million. Eight million. Because I think uh, Kemba was making thirty five, and then Horford's making like twenty seven. It's like something, some numbers like mm. that. Or Kemba's making thirty one, and Horford's making twenty three. It's like eight million ish. Celtics stay making moves to get under the tax while they have two uh, stars, two young stars they're trying to build around. I saw a TikTok. It was like the the Nick uh, the um, Sam Presti rehabilitation program. It's just take a star player who people think are kind of washed. Mm-hmm. Give them the ball, yeah, for thirty five percent plus usage. That's right. And then now their value goes up, even though they're basically the same player. They're just getting more touches. Well, Horford really didn't get that treatment. He kind of just got the benefit of not being, you know, being a year removed from being awful in Philly. And so now people are like, "Oh yeah, Al Horford, yeah, he's pretty good." <laughs> well, yeah, they just he was playing too good at basketball, so they just told him he was hurt, and then. uh Chris Paul was playing great basketball, and they decided to run with him. I guess I don't know. Maybe the, it doesn't hold hold water. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think your metaphor holds. <laughs> it worked with Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah, they uh, well, they did the same thing with Shooter too. Same thing with Shooter. So maybe Kemba playing next to Shea. Maybe uh, he'll have a decent regular season, and then they'll flip him the- before the playoffs. Not that does the Thunder Nurse, would be making the playoffs, but... Does Nick Nurse feel bad about playing Kemba 48 minutes in an All-Star game? Absolutely not. That was his plan all along. God. To get Kemba <laughs> off uh, contender in the East. Um, let's move on to uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, dysfunctional, uh, to say the least. So a report came out about a week ago, maybe, from from now, um, that the Mavs had a shadow GM. Uh, this is an article, The Athletic. Um, allegedly, a guy that Mark Cuban was close to, who's like a sports gambler, got some, not a position, maybe he did have a position in the front office, technically, but basically people saying that he was making the moves instead of their actual GM. Um, And then uh, Cuban saw the article. He called it total bullshit on Twitter. Not a couple days later, maybe the next day, um, the GM uh, parted ways with the team. And uh, a few days after that, Rick Carlisle stepped down uh, as Hmm. the Mavericks coach. Um, Carlisle, one of the most tenured coaches in the league uh, with the same franchise. He'd been there since the Dirk days. Um, so did the gambler win the power power struggle? Um, I guess there was some game during the year where Luca called out to Rick Carlisle, I guess, on the bench, and he's like, who's really calling the shots out here? Um, so that kind of got attention after some of this news broke um as maybe there's some actual you know something to this uh dirk's since been brought in 
to uh, help search for new front office personnel and probably coaching as well. Um, what do you what do you what do you think about this sec? I don't know. You think you know? I don't know Luca's relationship with Carlisle, but you think if it was good, you'd want to keep them together for as long as possible. Well, Aaron I don't Kobe. think it was the Mavs choice that he stepped. No, out. I know. I'm saying like you, you know, you'd think they'd have a conversation before he steps down, and you say like, "This is what I want in order for me to stay." And if they weren't able, maybe the conversation didn't happen. But if there was a conversation where, "Hey, I need this, this, and this if I want to stay," and they said no, then that's. I don't know. You'd think you'd want to keep them together for as long as possible because the NBA coaching market's pretty dry. Yeah. Um, it, it isn't now because you got Terry Stotts and, and Carlisle, but, but before, you know, outside of those guys, it's, it's um, not a lot of guys sitting around unless you want to get, um, oh, what's his name? The old Nuggets coach, George Carl. Uh want to bring him out definitely of don't want to do that uh don't want to do that not a guy not bring... a guy who gets along with his star players very well no um maybe you bring in van gundy bring in some you know but carlisle's old school so it's not like i mean that would maybe a good not a new culture change not a new era head coach where it's maybe you bring in kind of the same mentality yeah but i feel like carlisle's more hands-off than van gundy van gundy's kind of a hard ass but overall i mean who knows what's legit and who's not what's not legit but um you know, Cubans got got it made, got it made out that it's like a, a fucking fantasy land over there, and you know, yeah, sounds like it's not. So, um, for the record, Luca really liked Donnie Nelson, the mm. the Mavs GM, who was either I I don't know if it was he was let go or if they just decided to mutually part ways, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, Vulgaris is the is the name of the the guy who's like the shadow GM allegedly. Um, I mean, Donnie leaving kind of adds credence to. Yeah. Maybe there's something going on here. Yeah. I mean, it definitely right after Cuban calls it total bullshit. All this stuff, all this shit hits the fan. Uh, Cuban then lost all of his money in Titan, the uh, cryptocurrency. So bad week for him. Crypto had a, Hey, you don't lose until you sell it then. Mm. So he's just hanging on to his, Never know. Point oh 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 one U.S. dollars. Or he just uses that as a write-off to write off his his other gains that he's had this year. <laughs> He'll just get a government bailout. You don't get no. It's just <laughs> it's not a government bailout. You just you, you're allowed to um, deduct your losses off your off your income. He'll get a bailout like Jeff Bezos did. Okay, he doesn't. He doesn't need a bailout. <laughs> hey, rough rough week for rough couple weeks for crypto. You know, you got Elon shutting it down. Oof. You got the environmentalists getting after it. I mean, the U.S. dollar, man, it's been around a while. I, call me old school, but call me an old school finance guy. But hey, how many countries around the world hold the U.S. dollar? A lot. Hundreds. How many countries around the world hold Bitcoin? Times change. People uh, a change. A, a couple, right? One, one, one or two. There's the Doesn't one, Venezuela think, now do it, or is? Or, yeah, there's one. There's one country. I, I think no. I think it was Nicaragua. Okay. Actually. Okay. Yeah, it was some some country where their inflation was so insane that they decided that Bitcoin was better. <laughs> They're gonna do um, no income tax on any Bitcoin gains. Mm. So no capital gains on any Bitcoin. So that's gonna be interesting. But anyway, we're we're this is the basketball podcast. Yeah, we're we're going off Sorry. on a tangent here. But. So maybe Terry Stotts comes in. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe Van Gundy comes in 
you know? Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Van Gundy just uh, got canned for not relating to his young players. So I don't know how know. that'll fly in Dallas. They probably won't want to do that. But Every team has young players, though, Ben. I know, but this is like literally like a team <sighs> with two youngish players they're trying to build around. Well, they're trying to get rid of Porzingis, probably, but... Trying to build around Luca. He's their guy. I was just so. thinking. I was just thinking since Car- Carlisle's kind of old school, but Carlisle, no one ever says he's a hard ass. So yeah, but there's also things about him like not really getting along with his players sometimes. So I don't know. Yeah, because they're they're young and inexperienced, and they think they can they have more say than a old school head coach who's been around the block. Yeah. Well, I think I think Luca probably has more say than Carlisle in that organization. Well, I don't think I don't think they feel doesn't... I don't think they feel too bad about it either. I'd keep Carlisle. Oh yeah? <laughs> trade Luca. It's him or me. I'm gonna trade I'm gonna trade Luca instead of Can Carlisle. I'll trade Luca for for Jalen and Jason. Yeah, okay. And then get worse. And then become and... The, get then become the purgatory that is the Boston Celtics. Oh. Aww. Jason Tatum can't be the number one guy, I don't think, on a championship team. That's just my opinion. Until he develops a game... As a, as a playmaker? As a playmaker or a real threat at the rim, don't think he can be the number one guy. Real threat at the rim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, he's not I, a great finisher around the rim still. I disagree. I, I just, he just needs a competent point guard. He doesn't have a point guard. He's not supposed to play point guard. Just let him play the KD role. Let him play the Kobe. Let him play the Devin Booker role. These guys, they played. They they were playmakers too. Like they're guys who average five or six assists a game. Devin Booker's a way better a playmaker than Jason Tatum, though. I think he's been forced to over his career. Yeah, and, and he, that's what's made him better at it. He was playing point guard for a while. He's a way better playmaker yeah, but, than Jason Tatum, I think. And he's you know, he's still not a great finisher at the rim, which it, I think keeps him from that upper echelon of guys. But. Um, I think Tatum, Tatum's in the Tatum can absolutely be the best player on, on the team. I think maybe in the future if he improves. I just don't think right now he's that guy. So He's one of the best players in basketball. He's the top 15 player. Sure. And top 15 players don't necessarily mean that you are have the stuff to be the best player on a championship team. Anybody who can drop 50 against the Nets and get a game off the Nets by yourself is a guy who I, I see potential as. Sure. He's got the potential. I don't think he has it right now. But um, I, think, I think he's damn close. He just, I mean, him, Jalen Brown. That's just, and then hey, they need a point guard and they need a center. They don't. He doesn't. He's not in the good. They, position. Just, they just need five other good players, and then you know maybe they have a chance at going to a championship. Okay, it's not five. Other Let's good <laughs> move on to some of the series uh, that we just witnessed: um, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Sixers get embarrassed by the Atlanta Hawks led by Trey Young and one Kevin Herter. Baby don't herder me no more. Sixers fans <laughs> chanting, we want KD. Worried about the wrong Kevin, Zach. Mm, you're right, Ben. Ke- Ke- Kevin Kevin Herter went off for how many points in game seven? Like twenty-eight. 28 I, I yeah i knew it was like he had 25 at one point uh let's see here kevin herter in game seven of the eastern conference semifinals had 27 points 
on 10 of 18 shooting, uh, 2 of 4 from deep. He had 7 rebounds and 3 assists to go along That's just with not that. someone you game plan for. You game plan for the other guys. You game plan for Trey. You game plan for maybe Gallinari when he comes in off the bench. But you don't... Trey had a bad game in Game 7, too. He shot 5 he of did. 23. Yeah. I had, he had a good amount of assists, though, I think. But... You don't game plan for a, a herder and, and all that. But, you know, after a while, you do. After a while, he gets hot, then you adjust. Mm-hmm. But, you know, no one can, you know, that's when, like, when Jeff Green had 28, it was super tough for the Bucks. Yeah. If KD has 50, it's still tough. But when KD, when KD has 50 and no one else has above 20, it's a little easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Hawks win in seven. Against the Philadelphia 76ers. To be, hey, Ben, to be honest, I didn't watch some of these games because I just assumed, you know, the, the Phillies got this. I, I don't need to watch. I don't, know, <laughs> you, honestly, you don't need to it, analyze on the next podcast about what the Hawks did right. I didn't think I needed it. I was just going to be like, oh, and B dominated. Um, Simmons got to the rack and Trey Young. Simmons got to the rack? Well. What, what are you smoking? I was, no, I was saying I was expecting it to be like that, but it, it wasn't at all. And, um, it was one of those where you'd watch one game of basketball. Oh, it was a good game. Or the Hawks and Sixers would play at 6.30. I'll make dinner during that time. Then I'll watch the real games after. The real games. Uh, I, thought it, I thought it was... Hey, dis- we say- your apology will be as loud as your disrespect. So. Hey, we both we both said is if Embiid is healthy and playing, we don't know how healthy he was. He yeah, I don't basketball. know how healthy right. he was. He was playing on a meniscus injury. So. He was dropping 35 a night. And we said if he played every game, we'd say six, Sixers and Six. That's right. We did. I was three and one in my series predictions. That was the one series I got wrong. You picked the Nets, though. No, I picked the Bucks in seven. Remember on our yeah, latest podcast. In the, first, in the first round, you though you picked the Nets. I did, so. but then I said I changed my mind after I saw the first mm. round, and I and you said I was free to change my mind. I have it in audio format. I did. You can go it's back. Just interesting. It's just interesting. You doubted the Bucks against the Heat is is really all. I didn't doubt the Bucks against the Heat. I said yeah, Bucks in yeah. six for the culture. I don't think anybody was accepting a four, expecting a four-game sweep of that series. In any case, let's get back to case, the series right. that we're talking at hand instead okay. of you uh, delineating all of my predictions and all my yeah. Okay, so I think right here, a, a lot of people are criticizing Doc Rivers, and is it, do we want to save this for Noah's question? Yeah, well, we, we can talk it? about it a little bit, but yeah, we we have a mailbag question asking about Doc Rivers. Um, but I'll, I'll just do I'll just do a teaser for that. A lot of people are criticizing Doc Rivers. Embiid had eight turnovers. Embiid lost the ball down two that led to a, a transition dunk. And Ben Simmons passed up a shot. Yeah, there was four minutes to go in the game. So a lot of people place – or three minutes to go in the game. A lot of pe- people place emphasis on the Simmons shot. I think the Embiid turnover was a little bit worse, but Embiid played a hell of a series. So um, – and then Seth Curry really came alive. Um, you know, I think you retweeted something about how there was a – you know, his number of times this season where he took more than 10 shots was – he already had eclipsed it in the in the, in the postseason. Uh, he had more ten shot, more than ten shot, more more than ten shot games in the postseason than he did in the uh, regular season. So, big props to Steph, uh, Seth, and um, but bigger props to the Hawks, man. A bench unit came alive a couple of those games. Seth was Sweet. Seth was crazy in series, and uh, yeah. it's, crim- How about it's criminal he didn't play more. Honestly. Um, how about Sweet Lou? Yeah, yeah. Lou Williams, key key piece. 
That's why he shouldn't have uh, been traded away. Well, the Clippers are still fine. That's why they'll lose to the Suns. Uh, John Collins wore a... Kawhi's not playing. John Collins wore a t-shirt of him Mm. posterizing Joel Embiid in the post-game presser following Game 7. Offensive foul. Still won, still won, though. Just like the just like the Blake Griffin dunk on Giannis. As much as I hate the Bucks, I'm going to be objective. He he put down. This is a classic Blake Griffin play when he grabs other defender and then like has an offensive foul, but they don't call it. Yeah, Blake Griffin. He he commits about ten offensive fouls a game. Oh, okay, no, he doesn't. Um, interesting tidbit following. So the Sixers a key moment in this game. Ben Simmons gets the ball near the hoop, mm. passes up a wide open dunk um, with about three minutes left in regulation. Sixers really needed some buckets. Um, he scored eight, six, and five points in the final three games of the series. I believe he had three field goal attempts in fourth quarters, spanning the entire seven game series. Three field goal attempts. Um, Joel Embiid is quoted after the game saying, I think the turning point was when we passed up an open dunk and got one free throw. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's a tough look if you're a Philly hey, fan. There's a reason why, uh, why Kendall chose Booker over uh, Simmons. That's right. Uh Doc Rivers even said in in the post game, he was asked if oh, Ben Simmons yeah, can be a point guard on a championship team. And he said, "I don't know." First of all, bad question. Ben Simmons is not a point guard. He's a point forward who was miscast for the first however many seasons of his career. They finally started think, getting away from it this year a little bit more, but yeah, the Sixers never figured out that he can't be the lead initiator in your offense. Like he is better cast in like a Draymond Green secondary facilitator type role, I think. Um, like put him next to a floor spacing center and a point guard who can initiate the offense and be the primary ball handler, you might have something. So you're saying they should have traded for Kyle Lowry? Yes. I mean, they probably would have had to trade... They would have had to give up Simmons to get Kyle Lowry, probably. Oh. Um, which, know. you know, at this point, is fine. <laughs> well, Take at that time, no. At, at that, that time, time it was more questionable. Now, in hindsight, it looks. Hey, he bad. did only average fourteen points a game this year. It's not like I think he's a regular John Stockton, third okay. third best point guard in NBA history, according to you. Okay, I, I don't I don't count Steph as a point guard, in my opinion, but he is a point guard, so he has to be listed as a point guard in the all time rankings. <laughs> Steph just isn't a point guard. Steph's as much of a point guard as. Okay, let's get back is. to Ben Simmons. Okay, sorry. So what Doc Rivers said about Ben Simmons is, is, is abhorrent. I mean, it, it, you can't say that about your player. And also, just the game before, he did a complete he did a complete 180 from the game before when they were like, hey, is Ben Simmons going to be starting game seven? He's like, come on. Come on. What are we talking about here? 
and then after game seven, oh, I don't know. It's not like he played any different than he did this whole postseason. So after one game, all of a sudden, Doc does like, did, what did Doc think he was going to drop 20 and 20 in game seven? Mm-hmm. It's not like he's all of a sudden a different player in game seven than he was in five and six. Or now, since the series is over, he doesn't give a fuck and he's just going to Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. It's worth, it's probably worth noting that uh, Doc Rivers um, throughout the season has staunchly defended Ben Simmons. Um, oh, yeah. And said, you know, you can't criticize him, basically. Um, and now after Game 7, motion's running high. Doc lets one <laughs> slip in the post-game presser, I guess. But it's true. It's true feelings. Um, we've talked about Doc Rivers. How about Nate McMillan? How about him? Reinventing himself. Reinventing the wheel. He uh, goes from one of the lowest three-point attempt offenses manning that to the highest um, in the league. And, you know, he turns a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. Granted, they didn't have nearly any of the pieces they have this year, but give him credit. They made the Eastern Conference Finals, knocked off the number one seed in the East, no matter how badly they shit the bed. That's that's quite no. the accomplishment. And when when this Hawks team is formed, you think, well, they're getting pretty dangerous, but they don't have any defense. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a bunch of shooting. They got a bunch of guys who can spread the floor mm-hmm. for Trey. And Capella's been huge for him on defense and rebounding. So I think, you know, they tightened up their defense. They started playing more cohesively on offense. And they got a bunch of pieces that can get hot, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really important to have those type of shot creators that can create your own offense you know that's that's a very i mean it gets talked about as a really important thing but i think it's just underrated how important that is um and the hawks defense you know give it credit too like it it definitely has improved a lot um especially in the playoffs it had the most improved player looking like um i mean uh what's his name looking like jaleel okafor i was thinking i was thinking um taj gibson Ah. I can't think of the name, but Jaheel Okafor works perfectly too. Hey, give give Taj Gibson his flowers. <laughs> um, let's move on from the Sixers Hawks series. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, sorry. One thing on the on the playmaker th- on the guys willing to take shot or guys that can shoot. It's also guys who are willing to take those shots because you saw you know the Nets. They no like Harden passed up a late game um, shot, gave it to KD. So you can have guys who can make plays, guys who can make shots, but guys who are willing to take shots. Yeah. I mean, Harden, I didn't, I didn't Harden I'll give him a pass because he's hurt. I won't. I can't wait to talk about that. But Oh, boy. Um, just in general, not, maybe not Harden specifically, uh, but in general, you can have guys who are willing to, to, who can make shots in the regular season at home up 15 in the fourth quarter, but guys who can do it in the game seven. Uh, and I mean, obviously, that's 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 great. Yeah. We alluded it to alluded to it before, but uh, my Bucks in seven prediction holds true. Heading to the Eastern no, Conference okay. Finals, your your Bucks in seven was a, a healthy a healthy Nets team with a with a healthy Kyrie. I don't know about that. With a we knew Kyrie. we knew that we knew that Harden was injured. We didn't know when Harden was coming back. We didn't know when Harden was coming back. So we were expecting we was... two Nets stars. To be on the court, and we we knew Harden would play in a series. Did though. we? Oh, yeah, we, we didn't. Did. I don't think. I don't think we knew that for sure. 
Harden only came back that soon, I think, because of the uh, the Kyrie injury. Although we did going into the series, I guess Harden got hurt game one, but yeah, I mean, wasn't Kyrie kind of like injured a little bit too at the no. start, or was it? Were they all technically healthy? At that well, point. Harden, Harden, that was Harden's first game back in like 20 games. So okay, okay, Harden. okay. Yeah, that was it. That was it. But he was going to play in the series. It just, it was a matter of, you know, okay. he hadn't touched, touched the basketball basically in, in 20 games. Yeah. Okay. Bucks and seven. Kyrie, I was right. But Kyrie, but Kyrie was supposed to be, fo- if Kyrie, okay, we'll talk about the game. I'm going to give you the floor because it's just like a Skip and Shannon do. When the other person, I'm going to give you the floor. You can talk about as much as you want, but I will, I'm just going to preface it. If Kyrie's healthy, Kyrie doesn't hurt his ankle. If Giannis doesn't step under him, well, yeah, Kyrie's in the Oh, air. give me a fucking break. I'm just pulls a John Stockton. Yeah, all right. Uh, it was a good 90s move okay. by a good 80s, 90s move by Giannis. I gotta give him gotta give him his flowers there. It's old school basketball. I'm joking, I'm being facetious. Um, if Kyrie doesn't get hurt, then that's when the series. Even if Harden doesn't come back. Yeah, they probably do. Okay. I mean, it's quite obvious that, you know, injuries affected the series. Yep. But yeah. Give the Bucks every credit they deserve because they played well. And I want to make the point that I think a lot of people haven't made about okay. the Nets. Let's go. I want to hear it. When they assembled this big three, it's not like these players didn't have injury histories. It's not like, you know, they played most of the season without at least one of their best players. That's right. So when you assemble a team like that, you know, you're – Banking on health, a hundred percent. Because if you don't have one or two of those guys, the rest of your roster sucks. And that's how they chose to build the team. You know, they they had Kevin Durant, they had Kyrie Irving. They chose to trade for James Harden, which of course you do. You know, I'm not saying that it's 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 a bad thing, but that's the risk you take when you have a roster that that that's that top heavy, and then. You know, you have to fill in the gaps with minimum guys on, you know, really cheap deals to fill out the rest of the fill out the rest of the roster. Guys you're taking a gamble on. You know, you get lucky getting Blake Griffin. Uh Bruce Brown was a nice pickup for them. But at the end of the day, if you don't have one or two of your top stars, if, if the injuries happen and they happen every year, it's not like this is the only team in the playoffs that have lost people due to injury. You have to be able to overcome that. You have to have a roster construction. That's, you know, conducive to that, you know, as long as you don't lose your best player, obviously like any team that loses their best player is probably going to lose. And that's just the fact of life in the NBA, but they lost two of their best three. They did. But they had at least one of their best three, or they had at least two of their best three on the court during every game. Like one of them, one one of them was you know hobbled slightly, and he got better as the series went on. He was definitely hobbled in game five when he first came back, and then he slowly got better. Never was a hundred percent, obviously, but you know, still James Harden. And then you have Kevin Durant having the best series of his life in the playoffs, probably. You know, he looked like the best player in the world out there, and he is the best player in the world at this point in time. Absolutely insane and series look, by Katie. 
and I give, I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong and you raise great points, but I will, I'll, I'll raise you this. I mean, they have Joe Harris. Sure. They're paying him a hell of a lot of money mm-hmm. too. And they didn't expect him to, I mean, game one, he was hitting a lot of shots. And then after that, he I don't want to hear excuses game. about role players, not hitting their shots because that's happened with the bucks every single year. Okay. But Joe Harris, I think is a little bit more than a role player. No, he's not. He's I a role player. They, they paid him a hell of a lot of money. He's, I don't he's care. He's still more. a role player. You call starters role players. He's a role player. He's a role player. Brooke Lopez is a role team. player. He's probably getting paid more than Brooke, I think. Yeah, um, I think he is. Um, and it's, yeah, he's, he's a shooter. A he's literally just a shooter. What else does he do? That's a role player. He he drove he drove oh, in Kyrie's on. absence. Oh, I think on. I think it, it hurt him uh, trying to change his game a little bit. But regardless, also Dinwiddie tearing his ACL. They didn't expect that. Imagine having Dinwiddie in the he series. He didn't have yeah, but they didn't have Dinwiddie for when did he get hurt? Like he, he played like eight games, and then he got hurt. Right. I'm saying like when you built the and they were still the he, second best team in the East. I know. I know. I'm just talking about. I'm just. I know. I'm saying. I know. Like I get built, the point you're making. They had a lot of injuries, and but yes, and I'm saying when they built the roster, it wasn't just those three guys. It was they also have Harris and they had Dinwiddie, and at the time they had Jared Allen and they had Karis Silver, and then you give up those two guys for Harden. And think about Harden's injury history, pretty minimal. Like Harden's one of the most durable stars the, our league's seen in recent memory. Like you don't. Harden's one of the most available players there was. Harden played so many games this year where Kyrie and KD were hurt, and he was winning those games. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did, but Kyrie's yeah. had injury history. Kevin Durant's had Kyrie injury history. And KD, KD coming off, you know, an Achilles tear, mm-hmm. and then playing like uh, playing like this. Oh but yeah, I, I think I think KD and Kyrie combined for like sixty games this year. No, Ky- Kyrie played like fifty games, and then KD played around thirty-five. But you're right, KD and Kyrie's injury history is. Um, and that was the original two that they built the roster around. So it's like I was just about to say, yep. I mean, Harden was a late add. If they don't have Harden, they're a six seed. Absolutely. Because they played twenty with the games amount of with, with the amount of games that each of the other two played. Like, yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, okay. So go ahead and talk about the series. The Bucks squeak the Bucks. one out against the Slim Reaper. Literally coming with his. What do you call it? The the scythe, the scythe, yeah. knocking on the door. Uh, the series. So I guess just to give it a recap, Bucks start out the series awful. Yeah, they look terrible. They look disjointed. Um, you know, game one, it, it was relatively close, but they just they didn't play well. Um, game two, they get blown out. Um, and then game three happens. And I think, I believe that's the game that Kyrie got injured, right? Yes. Yep. And the Bucks get a grinded out win. They barely win. Drew Holiday, I think he, he makes a layup with, uh, seconds left to ice the game. Um, but you know, he didn't have a great shooting game. Uh, Chris Middleton had a insane first quarter and then cooled off that game um chris middleton started game three like a man on a mission madman um yeah i agree with that and and then he cools off um you know it's just not a it's it's a very down in the muck game for both teams the bucks squeak it out um but you know going down 2-0 i especially getting blown out in game two i'm you know i'm thinking the bucks are probably gone in four or five 
and they win game three. I'm still not super confident. Confident, um, and then they win game four. I think game four they don't have Harden or Kyrie. They yeah they lost. Yes, and you guys beat them by like twenty. Kevin Durant like was basically by himself. Oh no, they had Kyrie for game three because I think Kyrie got hurt in game four, and then they played part of game four without him, and that's when they pulled away with KD. Yeah, that's correct, because I was at the Deer District, and I remember when Kyrie got hurt. So he got hurt, I think it was second half, like beginning of the second half, maybe midway through the third quarter, and then the Bucks started to just absolutely dominate the Nets in every facet of the game. And KD, you know, he looked tired, he looked gassed, and who can blame him? Like, he's literally carrying the load of the offense every time they go down the court, and they have P.J. Tucker on him. P.J. Tucker showing his value. I don't think the, the I think it's safe to say the Bucks do not win this series without PJ Tucker. Um, yeah, as much as people clown PJ Tucker for oh wow, he gave, he he allowed or he held Katie to 50. I mean, it, it was a tough 50 and he's he's with them every step of the way. He's also huge mentality guy, yeah. you know. He's giving you guys a bunch of energy, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, he was on, the, on the Rockets, you know. He was yeah, he's a huge, huge locker room presence for them, I think. Uh, he's got the experience. He's been there. He's been there when, you know, it hasn't worked out, obviously, with the, with the Rockets. But, you know, he's been a great defender throughout his career. I mean, dude, imagine if you had Urson on him. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But imagine, like, if you don't have him, who, who do you put on him, especially if Dante goes down with this injury? That's, you yeah. know, it's a huge you – know? the, the Bogdanovich deal – looms large this season for a lot of oh, reasons imagine if he was going against against bogdan dude bogdanovich you know obviously the oh deal falls God. through at the beginning of the year the bucks miss out on him end up signing dj augustine and then signing a couple other guys after that the bucks end up dealing dj augustine and dj wilson at the deadline for pj tucker Without with with Bogdanovich, you don't trade Bogdanovich, obviously, for PJ no. Tucker. So, no. I think the Bucks lose this series if they have Bogdanovich instead of instead of PJ Tucker. Like I seriously think, I don't think the offense would outweigh the defense. Katie would get sixty five instead of fifty. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think I. I don't have the confidence that the Bucks offense would have been able to keep up with the Nets offense if they didn't have a guy, a stopgap like PJ Tucker. And I, just, and I said Bogdan, but it's it's Boyan, right? No, Boyan, no, no, no. Boyan. It's Bogdan. You're right. Bogdan but Boy, Boyan is the jazz guy. Boyan is the jazz Bogdanovich. I feel like I feel like Barkley right now. Yeah, you're, you're really you're you're really showing your Barkley roots. Oh no, it's Boban. Yes, it's Boban Bogdanovich. Um, no, Bo- Boban plays for the Mavericks. Yes, I know. Okay. <laughs> Katie has the best series of his life. Oh, my God. Still, PJ Tucker showed his worth out there whenever he was matched up against him. You know, Katie, Katie hit his go... shots, but PJ Tucker, yeah. he limited his efficiency in some of the instances he was out there. He like made life difficult for him. Made life difficult, but on the other hand, didn't at the same. Like it's like I can't. I, uh, you can't stop he, he him. Did. You can't stop Katie. You can can't only try to contain him in certain instances, and even then, it probably won't work. 
But that being said, yep. if the Bucks had anyone but PJ Tucker matched up on him for most of that series, game over. I agree. And every every time Drew was on him, he just back him down, shoot over him six foot out. Yeah. Like Drew Drew's a tough defender, but Katie's, you know, seven foot two. So, so it's tough. Moving on. It's tough. L- l- yeah. To I guess bring this home. So, you know, we've mentioned, you know, the Bucks start out 0-2. They win the next two games. Game five. Every opportunity in the world for the Bucks to go up 3-2 in the series. You have Harden, who has probably the worst playoff game he's ever played, and that's saying no. a lot. The worst game he ever played was when he, he had 13 turnovers against the Warriors. Okay, but what did he shoot that game? He had 45. Okay. He shot. Just gonna add, no, I don't think he had 45. He shot, he shot like two for 17 or something in this game. Yeah, but clearly was, limited, no down. burst. No yep. burst, can't get to the basket, can't do anything. He's literally testing out the hamstring for the first time ever, he said. He said he hadn't even practiced on it prior to the game. So the Bucks have that golden opportunity, the worst game Harden plays in the series, yep. and Jeff Green mm. decides to... Uh, copycat Kevin Durant and have the best game of his life when KD has the best top five KD performance in his career, if not higher. It was a 50 point triple double, right? It was, it was 49. I think he had. Yeah. 49 triple double. On insane efficiency. Jeff Green had 28. Yeah. Blake Griffin was hitting threes, like all a lot of threes. I think he was like four for seven or something way more than Blake Griffin should hit in a game. But Jeff Green was 8 of 9, I want to say, from 3. He had like 25, 26 points. Um, and the Bucks lose. They they blow a lead. They, they were up 17 at one point, 16 at halftime, and they lose. That's when I was like, all right, you know, this there's no way. They blew, they blow this golden opportunity. There's no way the Bucks win this series. And then Chris Middleton becomes Steph Curry in Game 6. 38 points, 89% true shooting. Puts the team on his back! Giannis has, I think, 30 and 17. You know, typical Giannis game. Quiet night. Quiet night. (laughs) As I I heard from some peanut gallery. Oh, you had a bad game, I think. (laughs) That's what's crazy about... About Giannis, and there's only a few players that can do that. Like as much as I should on Giannis, among like you, me, and, and our, our buddy Noah. Like I went to a Rockets game and a couple years ago, and then Clay, it was the Steph, Steph didn't play, and then we they beat us by like 25, and you're like look up and like oh, I think Clay had a good game, like he had 38 or whatever it was. And it's like yeah, I thought he had 21. Like the way that like the way that Giannis can have 30, 35. It's so effortless. Like, you don't even notice like, it. Oh, he had 35. It's like, how do you have, where did all these points come from? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember him scoring, but he, uh-huh. he just gets the little things. He has the hustle plays. He also. The transition, the offensive rebounds, transitions. you know. So he takes advantage of his opportunities pretty well. I, I mean, when he, I mean, we, we talk about it. It's, we talked about it all year. When the offense slows down in the half court and they sit him at the top of the key, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked in the last three playoffs. Yeah. But when they're when they're moving as offense, when other guys are hitting shots, when they're out in transition, when he's got his back to the basket, the Bucks are a very tough team. Yeah, and they started they started playing that way. Um, 
we can't, obviously can't cover every, everything in this series, but something we haven't mentioned yet, Drew Holiday having one of the worst shooting series of his life. Definitely then, his worst playoff series that he's ever had. Then totally redeemed himself in the final two minutes, hitting that big three in, in the base. In game two. seven. So Chris Middleton goes off game six, keeps the Bucks alive. Game seven, anything can happen. It's yep. it's zero zero, one game to decide them all. Kevin Durant has another awesome game. Chris Middleton struggles initially. Drew Holiday struggles through. I mean, Chris Middleton started to hit some shots in the second half, but Drew Holiday just struggles the entire game. Giannis keeps them in a position to win the game throughout. Made his free th- made his free throws. Made his free throws. Well, relatively speaking, he was like eight of fourteen. Down the stretch, he was making them. Yeah, he started. I think he started the game like one for six or one for five, and then he like yeah. he hit almost all of his free throws from that point on. Yep. Um, after Thanasis took him aside and yelled in his ear after he airballed <sighs> a free throw, then he then he almost made all of them after that. Um, yeah. But Chris Middleton made some huge plays down the stretch, hit some big shots, hit a, hit a three uh, with a couple minutes to go um, to keep him in it. Um, Drew Holiday with, I think it was a minute and a half left, hits a three. Because, um, dude, the Nets were up five with, what, three minutes to go? And then the like Bucks flipped the script go? and went up three. It was an yeah. eight-point swing in the matter of a couple, I think it was like a minute. Um, yeah. Huge, huge. And Harden was looking super shell-shocked down the stretch. He just did not want to be the guy to be handling the ball, or shooting the ball. He did hit that banked in three. He hit the bank in three, but that was, I think that was what? Third quarter, fourth quarter, maybe beginning of the fourth. I think it was like six or seven minutes to go. I okay. Think. Yeah. That was so stupid. I was so frustrated watching that, but well, Giannis, Giannis banked in the three. He did. He did. But that was way early in the game. This was more of like a key stretch type thing. And I was like, well, wow, they're hitting that. Kevin Durant's playing the way he is. Um, and then, the Nets have a chance. They're down two. End of regulation. Mike Budenholzer's job is saved by Kevin Durant's big-ass foot. <laughs> Katie takes a step back, turn around over P.J. Tucker, gets some separation from Tucker. Um, Tucker recovers in time, but he's just too short. Kevin Durant rises up over the top of him, drills it. I'm at the bar with my friends. I'm thinking, wow, that what a way to lose a game seven. Katie just putting on a clinic. But then Kevin Durant, who has said that he wears a shoe size, one size bigger than it actually, his feet actually are. Cause he likes to feel yeah. airy. <laughs> he likes to feel aerodynamic, a little loose. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that makes you feel more aerodynamic when they're, fucking skis. I don't, I don't get that logic. But. Um, His big-ass foot, as he said in the post-game interview, stepped on the line and it was a two. Sends the sends the game into overtime. I've never seen a star be, or any player be more pissed about making a, a go-ahead shot. Yeah. Bucks. He, he was so pissed. Bucks can't score in overtime. Yeah, the Nets were up two for like three minutes. Do you remember that one position they got like five rebounds? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then the stars align. Okay. 
Drew Holiday makes some big shots. Chris makes, Chris, I think Chris, Chris made makes a, that turnaround. Yeah, Chris makes the line. turnaround midi in the lane over uh, Bruce Brown. Too small. Look good. Look good. Well, he didn't make it over. He had like five feet of separation. He didn't make it over him. Well, from his move that he made, Bruce Brown was covering him, and he. I don't. I don't know why you're. I don't know why you're nitpicking that little tidbit. I'm not nitpicking. You are nitpicking. You said too small. He is too too small. small. He is too small. He is too small, but he wasn't anywhere near the play because I said it was a hell of a shot. Chris made a great move. Just didn't make it over him. He's too small. (laughs) Okay. And uh, the game looks to be over. And then KD taking the last shot. Uh, Well, first he passes it to Harden. After he crosses midcourt, Harden Harden immediately, immediately passes it right back to KD. He's got Drew Holiday matched up on him, and he decides to take a really, really tough turnaround J uh, for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Turns out, uh, lost in the heat of the moment, uh, it was also a two. He had his foot on the line again, um, so it would have sent it to a double overtime. And Ben, this is where a first-year head coach, as as great as Steve Nash coached this team, great ball movement in the first couple of games, as the stars, as players. How do you, you know, not call a timeout? That's what I'm saying. You know, and they started playing more ISO KD, and it was working, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying you shouldn't go ISO KD, but the first couple of games they're moving the ball there, but that also is why Kyrie's there. Kyrie's also the other facilitator. When there's not the other facilitator, mm-hmm. and also where was Mike James? Mike James had a you know. Yeah, yeah. See, where was Mike James? We didn't see a lot of Mike James, but. You know, if it's like if it's like a Greg Popovich and he's coached the Spurs for twenty years, he probably calls a timeout there. But you know, um, I don't think Nash wanted. Maybe Nash knew KD had the ball in his hands, and you're not going to get a better play than KD isoing with five seconds left. But I think you call a timeout there, and then you set a pick, and you get a, a roll to the basket, or you get a, you know you draw a play. Yeah. Or KD drives to the paint, like you know, I, if this was LeBron, I'd say the same thing. You gotta you gotta put your head down and drive there. And then you can rise up, but a turnaround, yeah, kind of. They kind of already knows where he's going when he's got his back to the basket like that. But how am I going to criticize one of the best ISO players of all time? Right. It was his decision, and when you saw his face, he looked like he was like kind of. He he thought it was going yeah, in. Yeah, so but it was it was it was, it was like a foot short, though. Yeah, he definitely airballed it. Drew, so. Drew Holiday had his had the hand in his face, which usually doesn't matter against Katie. And Katie cooked Drew Holiday all series. Like whenever Drew was on him, he's just too small. Yeah. It's like Bruce Brown on Chris Middleton. Um, <laughs> like DJ Augustine on Clint Capello. That's right. But um, yeah. Yeah. And the Bucks somehow pull it out. I was I'm celebrating like- after KD missed the shot. And then Mark Davis had to remind everyone that he was the star of the show, call a uh, retroactive foul after the buzzer sounds, and uh, put Brooke Lopez on the line with 0.3 seconds left. Brooke Lopez. Oh, forgot to mention. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. How did we forget this? The Brooke Lopez game-saving block on Kevin Durant. Um, which and he was redeeming himself after... Redeemed he, himself he almost, after blew the game. a huge blunder where he you know got the inbound with two seconds left and passed it out instead of taking the shot. And yep. the Bucks lose the possession. It's a you know team turnover, like the shot clock violation, and then saves the game with uh, Katie's drive into the hoop, and you know he he makes the game saving block, and the Nets actually recover, kick it out to who else? Joe Harris, who bricks the wide open three. Nobody in the area code. Pat Connaughton, 
who is, you know, the sixth man for the Bucks, played like 23 minutes. No other players really played. I've, Forbes played, I think, five. And Thanasis played zero, like under a minute. He like subbed in for like one or two plays, maybe. Pat Connaughton, you know, credit to him. He he hit three of five shots, all threes that game. Stepping up big in the moment. But uh, Brooke Lopez hits those last two free throws to seal it. All-time Nets leading scorer to uh, to win the series for the Bucks. Poetic justice right there. <laughs> he then, he slapped the logo at uh, at center court. I think it was out of respect. It wasn't it wasn't a disrespectful slap. Not like you know Kyrie disrespecting Lucky. Brooke was respecting B net in that moment. <laughs> honestly, after Katie hit that shot, and I, I actually felt really good about you guys' chances or the Nets' chances in overtime. Um, I was ready to put KD above Hakeem on my all time. Wow. Because he, he was going to go on and win, a, and win this championship. Most likely, or he's going to go in the finals. I mean, he's, yeah, I thought he, they'd beat the Sixers or the, or the Suns. Hawks. And they definitely beat the Hawks. I mean, they, the Clippers or Suns are going to be tough because both teams are playing well. But after that, because all this criticism all the, the, for KD has always been, you know, he needed star players to carry him. And this was... This is this is the first series he, where he really carried the team by himself, and he he earned those Finals MVPs as, as on the Warriors. Like he was averaging thirty five in the finals, and it was the number one option on the sure. best team. But in, but in when your history. team is just rolling like that, when you have such a cohesive roster and a roster full of all stars, like nobody's yes. going to give you your flowers for also averaging thirty five points per game. And it, you know it's understandably so. Understandably so. I didn't give him his flowers. I thought he was. The, I still think he's the weakest superstar in, 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 in NBA history. But this this showed this move moved him up in my, in my uh, not that it matters, but it, it moved it moved him up in my. I definitely my, gained respect a lot of respect for KD this series, and I always you know I already had a lot of respect for him, but you know oh we had least respect for him, but it just was it, it was like fuck you for for doing what you did well right exactly exactly respect for him as a player but not for the decisions he made and it was never for me it was never that he couldn't do it in terms of how good of a player he is mm-hmm. it was just that he didn't want to do it he also he'd always take the easy way yeah. out and the, the fact that it, this was also forced upon him he didn't want this route mm-hmm. so that's also a knock like it's not like he just took like him and Kyrie no one I were talking about this before the series him and Kyrie it's kind of like okay that's actually kind of, with some role players. That's actually like a decent, like mini super. That's like a super team, but it's also, it's like okay, I kind of respect that. But yeah. you add hard, and it's just like it's we're back to the fucking Warriors, right? Again. Exactly. So this was forced upon him. Uh-huh. So I don't give him the full credit, but it's also I, I gained a lot of respect for him for rising above. Yeah, I also the way he handled the loss too, I thought was like a lot better than I've seen other stars handle losses. Um, he really, you know, he gave kudos to the bucks and oh yeah he uh um you know he's very humble in the interview and everything and um even afterwards uh i think he he went on twitter today and uh he quoted tweeted some jackass who was like talking about how this is bad for the nba that it's none of the big stars and big markets in the conference finals and you know katie you know 
fired back at him, which I thought was very interesting right after a loss, you know, and being one of those stars, being one of those big markets. Um, and basically it was like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, this is, this is good for the NBA or who cares yeah, about your it, opinion. And to wrap all this up, it was, it was cool to see like, A, KD give the Bucks flyers and also B, Giannis just like. 40 points in a game seven elimination game. Like not what I was going to say. What a performance! But yes, but yes, also that just giving KD his flowers, saying that he was the best player in the world, it was cool to see that mutual respect. Yeah, but yes, also not to undershadow though, Giannis. I haven't feel like I haven't talked about him a ton in this breakdown, just because we've been talking about all the other players and all the supporting cast. But Giannis had a great series ever since he going did. down O two. He was putting the team on his back. He's the reason that the- they stayed in it for four or five games. He started playing a lot more aggressive, made a lot quicker decisions. Yeah. It was the quicker decisions and not letting the defense key on him. He was as soon as he got the ball, he knew what he was what he was gonna do. Yep. And but it wasn't a predictable move he was gonna do. He knew that he was gonna take it to the hoop. Yep. And then he let his his skill, instinct, film to take over. So it, it was it was cool to see him do a complete one eighty in, in terms of his mentality. Yeah. So we've we've spent a lot of time on these two series for for 40 minutes we've spent a lot of time on these two series and rightfully so because they were two you know series that got taken to game seven this bucks net series by a lot of people is talked about as you know people are saying it's one of the best playoff series in recent memory and certainly that game seven one of the best game sevens ever i think um definitely top 10 in league history in the playoffs um and you know so we we've spent a lot of time on this let's Talk about the Western Conference series for a little bit here. Um, Suns Nuggets. I picked Suns in seven. Um, I think I, I think picked you Suns picked... in six. No, you didn't pick Suns. You picked Nuggets, dude. No. Yeah, dude. No. I think yeah, you were trying to contradict me. You said Nuggets in six. I picked Suns initially, and then I said, just to contradict you, I did Nuggets, but my first thing You said Nuggets Suns. and Six, for sure, at the end, but you might have said Suns first. I did say Suns first, and then I said, I'm leaning towards Suns, I think you're leaning towards Nuggets, because you, a Jokic But then I said Suns and Seven, and you're like, wow, you surprised me. Yeah. And then you said Nuggets and Six, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I may have, but it was just to contradict you. Okay, my so we both my agree, initials. we both thought the Suns were going to win. Suns rolled yes. the Nuggets. Um, there's, I mean, it was, I, I, it it was bittersweet for me because I love Chris Paul. I also love Jokic and, uh, it was tough to see the Nuggets go out the way they did. Tough to see Jokic go out the way he did. He, he put up 32, 20 and 10, I think in game three and they still lost, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't playing, you know, the best basketball that he's capable of playing. And obviously this, the, the Nuggets are without Jamal Murray, um, Aaron Gordon, not really a factor in this series, non-existent. Um, especially offensively. Um, and, you know, there's really nobody he can impactfully cover on the Suns. Uh, I think we talked about this prior, uh, last episode, but, you know, the Suns have two star guards and a center and Aaron Gordon is best at covering forwards. And, you know, he's not great at chasing around those forwards, you know, like you'd have to do with Jay Crowder. Um, 
and the Suns just had the personnel to really limit Michael Porter Jr. Um, and, you know, credit to Devin Booker. He had a great series. But Chris Paul was really, you know, a huge factor in the Suns rolling the Nuggets in four. Um, he played extremely well. Uh, little, you know, insert the bonus fry baller into this uh, in this series. Chris Paul, first player with 15 assists and zero turner turnovers in a playoff game since Chris Paul in 2014, who was the first player since Chris Paul in 2008 to do it. So, hell of a series for Chris Paul. Um, Jokic got ejected in game four. Sucks um, that he didn't get to finish up the series. He, he had a hard foul on a guy. I don't agree that it should have been ejection worthy, but it was a hard foul. He did get him. Um, he sent Aiton his jersey after the series because Aiton was singing his praises the whole time, especially after that 32-20-10 game. I think in the postgame presser, he's just like, Aiton was just amazed, and he's kind of like talking about that's why he's the MVP. Um, but course, what, do, in, what do you think in, about the series? Look, if Michael Porter played like this, if Austin Rivers played like this against the Trailblazers, the Trailblazers win. I mean, he had Jokic played. Jokic was consistent uh, from series to series. I can't say anything bad about the way Jokic played. Um, but when you're a center, it's hard to impact. Um, it's hard to play winning basketball when your guards or anybody around you is not playing well. And that's the same thing for a guard too. A guard can do a little bit more um, breaking down of the defense, in my opinion. Um, but any any star player whose role players don't play well, like KD's role players, stop. Like where were they in Game Seven? So Blake, I think Blake had sixteen, but yeah. or seventeen. But aside, I don't think anybody scored over twenty in Game Seven for KD. And the same thing for the whole series. Like you have Austin Rivers scoring twelve points in two minutes against the Blazers, and you have Michael Porter Jr. making every every contested shot, and all of a sudden that that disappears. And it's not like they're taking any less difficult shots. Those tra- Trailblazers were right there, and their hand in their face in a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Suns are a better defensive team than the Blazers. Oh yeah, and um, the Nuggets struggled against the Blazers a little bit in terms of scoring at times. So yeah, um, I, I give credit to Jokic, but um, I also like the TNT broadcast mentioned this. It was just you know Devin Booker a couple of years ago with Chris Paul may not have been able to pull this off because Devin Booker has matured so much as a player on when to turn the faucet off, when to turn the faucet on when to defer, when to facilitate, mm-hmm. and then when to score. And he's turned into a really good, really complete player, very Kobe-esque. Yeah. I'm just joking. Not no, Kobe-esque. But... Because, because he's not Kobe, and Kobe's not him. But I'm a little callback from my airballing grievance. But Booker's a hell of a player. Chris Paul's a hell of a player. And when the Suns are rolling like that, Aiden's grown so much as a player. Aiden, yeah. Aiden definitely is a huge reason why the Suns are playing as well as they are right now. He's just no been question. uber efficient and great offensive player. And the Suns don't. The Suns aren't playing ISO ball. You know, if they want to, they can. Chris, if they want to, they can. Chris Paul can break down a defense mm-hmm. still. Booker can break down a defense still. Chris they, Paul's always going to just... be getting his teammates involved, involved though, and that's part of the reason why they yeah. don't stagnate as much. I mean, they have a slower pace, obviously, because you know of the way the style of play that Chris Paul plays. But they're going to get efficient looks every single time. So and people are moving. They're not. They're not just watching Chris Paul. Right. 
Chris Paul, everyone's moving like like the way Rondo, Stockton, kid, the way those guys do play. They don't just hold the ball and then pass. Yeah, everybody's moving to get multiple looks, and if the first look isn't there, maybe the third looks there, maybe the fourth looks there, and they run them so quickly that you can do all those looks in twenty four seconds. So, and if those looks aren't there, then you got a Chris Paul mid range that is super tough to defend. Absolutely, and so. and you know credit Monty Williams too because oh yeah, you know his offenses you know, have been really good in the past. And, you know, those forwards that he has are always like tops in the league at cuts per game. Like, so like you said, the mm. off ball movement, Kelly Oubre Jr. Was great at it when he was in Phoenix and, you know, you got Miles Bridges and uh, Jay Crowder moving off ball a lot around, you know, while the guards are doing their things. It's, it's great offense uh, every time. And, and how about uh, Cameron Payne? Doing, campaign doing, doing, doing his best doing Chris his Paul impression. Uh, Chris Paul, of course, out with COVID protocol now uh, for the first game of the Clippers series. Didn't matter though. Devin Booker put on a clinic 40 point triple double. <sighs> first player to do that since Charles Barkley in 1993. Um, but in any case, going back to this series, um, you know, Jokic got a lot of shit for you know, sitting so deep back on defense and everything, but that's just part of their scheme. That's part of their drop coverage. And when the guards and the perimeter defenders aren't keeping their, the sun's guards in check, there's not much he can do in that scheme in that system. And, you know, he's limited as a player, just being a big guy like that. So he can't switch. He can't do that sort of thing. Um, They have to play a drop coverage with him. And, you know, you can't really fault him for being who he is. I mean, you have to, have better perimeter defense that's going to help him out a little bit more fighting over screens and you know contesting those shots from behind and you know the and the pick and rolls and stuff and when when he's you know trying to contest but I mean Chris Paul's the best one of the best mid-range shooters in the game you know and Devin Booker yeah. isn't far behind him as far as a mid-range scorer so and that's uh, it's that, tough that's another thing and like there's a lot of times when Harden had a look in in, in those games where he gets past the pick, has an, has a 16-footer because Brooke Lopez is playing drop. And it's just like, you're comfortable. I mean, Harden's a hell of a shooter. And he's still he's still got that Rockets mentality where it's either a three or a layup. Yeah. And, well, when that's ingrained and, into you for so long, it's hard to kick that happy. Harden used to take mid-range shots. Like, oh, yeah. Before the D'Antoni three and uh, dunk offense. And it was it worked. It almost got us to the finals. We were Chris Paul hamstring away, but you know Kyrie and KD. As much as people shit on as the mid range a lot, what we've talked about in the past is it's only a bad shot if you're not a good mid range shooter. And Kyrie and KD, that's one of their best shots. Yeah, I, I, I almost a KD contested th- mid range is the same thing as like some players open layup mm-hmm. at times. So um, Kyrie and KD use the mid range efficiently, and I thought Harden could have used it a lot more. He, I thought he could use it in Houston a lot more, but he never did. Anyway, so that was just a side point to your point of the Suns use their strengths effectively. Imagine if they didn't care about the mid-range and they focused on threes and layups. They wouldn't be as effective as a team because there's pockets in the defense that open up yeah. when you use every part of the floor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to wrap this series up, um, we uh, we can't not mention the star of the series. Oh, um, sons and four guy, um, little fan, al- fan altercation, 
I think it was in game three. Uh, some Nuggets fans who I guess turned out to be like really like racist assholes. Um, they took a cheap shot on this Suns fan after they were kind of getting into it with him. And so the Suns fan turns around and just starts whooping the one guy's ass and just like absolutely demolishing him, put him in the surrender Cobra. And then as he's running away after the guy who t- took the cheap shot initially, as, as he's running away with his face covered, Suns in four, Suns in four, baby. It was funny because, you know, they're, they're fighting. I don't know if it was racist or not because the Suns guy was white. No, the, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, I think it was like later they found out these guys were like really like like racist assholes. I don't think oh, it was like actually in the okay. altercation. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Anyway, it was like, yeah, they're fighting. And then the Nuggets guys, they're everyone's they're, Nuggets guys think it's all fun and games. And another guy thinks he's like, he tries to just like, a, he's just like, like fake out some guy from like five feet away. And then like he turns around and now he's like, oh, I got him. And then the Suns guy hits him so many times that actually the Suns fans were like, whoa, whoa, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> and then even after he's like, Suns of four, yeah. And we're like, um, okay, yeah, good job. Like he was the only one who was like, hi- the Suns fans were like. And now he's become a celebrity. Now they showed him They showed him on the Jumbotron at game one of the uh, Clippers uh, oh Suns game. And then uh, what was it? RJ commented on the ESPN post, like, we don't want to see that. And then, like, Booker was, like, too bad. No, Booker, like B- yeah, I think Booker said, like, uh, something, like, soft or, like, something. <laughs> um, no. But, yeah, but, no, Booker Booker had said, uh, I need to meet this guy. And then that's when RJ yeah. replied to his comment. I don't think that's a oh. great precedent to send. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, good stuff. Thinking good stuff. Thinking uh, Western Conference Finals with the fellas. Um, but let's transition to Clippers Jazz. Um, hell of a series. We're not going to be able. To, I mean, we're going to talk about probably the least of all these series. Yeah. We're trying to wrap this up, but oh my god, dude, Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann. He's the man. He really took over. Goes from passing up a wide open layup. In the in the prior round, to having a thirty nine point game seven, to dun- or then game six or game six whatever, and then he dunks on Gobert the game before. Ooh, that was nasty. That was absolutely nasty when he dunked on Gobert. And then and then Mitchell kind of loses steam a little bit. Like the first couple of games he's dominated, and he starts not playing as well. Maybe Wade stopped coaching him. I don't know. I don't know the rules against that. But basically, you know, everyone's trying to put Mitchell. Is Mitchell better than Booker? No. Yes, but no. I don't think I don't so. Think he is. I think Booker's better. Right now, yes. I think Booker's better. I think Booker's. I, I've always leaned to Booker, even like if last Mitchell year. plays with Chris Paul, though. Yeah. Booker's a beast. I'm not saying Booker's not a beast. I mean, Booker's because just Booker. He's, Booker he's in the such bubble. a better scorer, I think, than Mitchell. Just over. He's a better shooter, more efficient. More efficient for uh, sure. Donovan Mitchell people... is not a good distributor. Terrible distributor. So what does he do better than Booker? He's more athletic, I guess. More athletic. But other than he's that, he's not a better defender. Like no. they're both not the best defenders. No. But yeah, I just I I don't know. I just I mean Donovan Donovan Mitchell obviously give him a lot of credit. The Jazz were number one in the West this year, no. and you know he he. Was the 
definitely the driving force of that offense. But, you know, he, he's got the team basically built around his weaknesses. You know, you got Mike Conley there to run the offense because Mitchell's not a good offensive player. You've got, um, you know, you know, Joe Ingles for secondary creation. You've got Bogdanovich as a shooter. You've got Royce O'Neal, you know, as a good defender. But, you know, if if Mitchell didn't have those deficiencies, I don't know if some of those guys would be needed. You might be able to build a better roster around him. And, you know, that is the counterpoint because I, I, I could probably lean Booker too. But, you know, at least this is Booker's first playoffs and Mitchell's been making the playoffs. Yeah, Mitchell's been being, getting bounced by the Rockets or the Thunder in the first round the last, like, four years. But... Yeah, At least he's been making you have, yeah, but you have way more talent around Mitchell. Way more talent. So I, I'm not giving that and to you have Mitchell. Quinn, you had Quinn Snyder, and then the Suns didn't have anybody. They had, um, I forgot who that guy. He, he was dating Joy Taylor. I forgot his name. Yeah, who even was the Suns? I don't even know. Who was that? He also had the that's Russian. A hole, that's a hole coach. in my NBA knowledge, who the Suns coach was before Monty Williams. One of them was dating Joy Taylor, and another one was that Russian guy. Oh yeah, you're, you're right. right. That Eastern European. You're right. Guy, you're right. You're right. I forget his name, but in any case, uh, any case, go bear. You know, going out sad once again. Uh, who, who gives a fuck? He's uh, <laughs> shown time and time again that he's a Mickey Mouse defensive player of the year. I'm kind of kidding. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm. He's really, really good he, at what a... he does, but his skill set is not. It does. It doesn't translate to the playoffs as well as a lot of other players do. I agree. And you know the the D in DPOI stands for default, in my opinion. <laughs> he really he really does get it by default a lot of years, I feel like. I mean the Jazz consistently have a top defense, which is because of him. But when you know when you get to the playoff style of basketball, he just he, he can't survive in a switching scheme and he gets exposed and he's not an offensive scorer, so he should be though. He, they should he can't really offer something else on that end. He's, you know, he really doesn't. People talk about Giannis not having a bag. Rudy Gobert is like he's a center. He's like tall me or you, offensively in the NBA. I I disagree. I think they don't. I think he could be a Clint Capella. I feel like a a Rockets Clint Capella. He could be a pick and roll dunk guy. I don't know. I like. I don't understand. They never. He's so he's open he on so many pick and rolls. Ben, he can't dribble the ball once. Even he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He <laughs> can take two steps and shoot it. There's so many times. Well, he's, he's never had work. a pick and roll ball handler that's you know good enough to. Because Mitchell takes the contested eighteen footer right, instead of dumping right, off to right. him. But you know, Gobert. I agree though. Yeah, he. I don't like Gobert. Either. I don't know why I'm defending him. He's. You know, he's very dislikable personality, so it's not, you know, nobody feels that bad about him going out this sad again. Um, no. But to not put it all on him, the Jazz perimeter defense, you know. It's just, That's what we talked about before the series. Who, who Who's guarding? They have the worst, like, defensive backcourt in the league. Yeah, you, you have nobody to guard big wings like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So it's a bad matchup for the Jazz. Or Terrence Mann. <laughs> yeah, or Terrence Mann, apparently. Um, and how about Kawhi and Paul George just having a hell of a yeah. series? Royce O'Neal, to give him to give credit where credit's due, Royce O'Neal did a solid job against those guys when he was matched up against them, but it just wasn't enough on, you know, for, for the perimeter on for the Jazz. Um, 
you know, they yeah. they really struggled. Um, and the Clippers shot the ball really well, like they have all year um, from three-point land. Um, and Paul George not being shy about forcing too much. Like he, he, he was doing a good job of balancing, mm-hmm. taking, the, taking the ball to the rack, finding his mid-range shot, yep. and then also deferring to his teammates who were, who were starting to get hot towards the end of the series. So yeah, Paul George played a really good series too. Definitely. Uh, let's wrap up our recaps of the semifinal games. Um, quickly touch on a couple couple things left in the NBA here. Uh, okay. Scott Brooks gets fired. Oh, we didn't mention Scott Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scott Brooks finally fired. <laughs> He's hung on to that job for dear life the last few seasons. Um, well, injuries, you know, you know, when we get, yeah, you know. So, you know, we got the stats, the, the Terry stats of the East. I'm kidding. Um, Terry stats is way better. I'm not way better. People, people compare them a lot though. I think it's kind of funny, but Ter- Terry stats Brooks is, is trash. extremely way better. Um, Scotty Brooks is trash on the thunder and he's trash yeah, on the lizards. But you know, those two are out on the market now. Um, Stan Van Gundy has previously mentioned fired on the market now uh, for teams. Um, there's a couple coaching, couple key coaching vacancies. Um, the Blazers now and the Celtics. Um, I heard Becky Hammond was in mm. the running, as she always seems to be. I feel like she's got, heard, she's got to get a shot at some point. She's been in she's been in the running for too long. I talked about and then Greg Pop. She was even in the running for the Bucks job when before they hired Budenholzer. Like that's, that's how right. long she's been talked about. If I sort of fucking got if Jason Kidd gets a job before Becky Hammond, it's the most misogynistic bullshit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that would set back a lot of movements. A lot. Of <laughs> Come on, dude. The wife beater who sucks at basketball getting a job, getting a job before Becky Hammond. Are you fucking kidding me? He doesn't. He's a top seven point guard of all time. But he's also. Uh, did, did anybody he's say he wasn't? Did anybody say he wasn't? I thought you just said he sucks at basketball. Coaching basketball. Oh, sorry. I thought you said he sucks at basketball. No. Was, no. Yes. I a, said he's, he's a, a wife beater, bag. and you're like, okay, he's a top seven point guard of all time. No. <laughs> that was that was not the timeline of this conversation. Okay. All right. I mis- I misheard you. Yes. He's a shitbag titty fuck. Yeah, I heard he was in contention. Well, he was in contention for the Trailblazers job, and then he stepped. Out of the race, he did. like Dame Lillard mentioned him by name as somebody he'd want to coach him, and then he stepped down from the race, which kind of makes you think that he has like a guarantee somewhere else, or like a really strong, like where would he rather go that has a job opening right now that he knew of at that time? Because the Mavericks didn't, right? Like the right. the Mavericks still had Carlisle at that point when he stepped down. It was the Celtics, I guess. Like, the Wizards still had Brooks, right? Uh, uh, I I don't know yeah. if that technically uh, happened after. But why would he want the Wizards job over the Blazers? I think Lazary what? has a handshake deal. Lazary does? Yeah. 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 If if but if 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 Katie didn't step on that line, Jason Kidd would be uh the coach <laughs> of the Bucks again. <laughs> Can you imagine though? Can can you imagine if he has like a handshake deal with Brad Stevens? That'd be fucking hilarious. I don't think he'd be. I don't think he's what. I think. I think Brad Stevens is is. I mean, 
it's a low bar, but I think he's smarter than that. Um, especially being a new recent uh, president of basketball operations, uh, you know that hasn't you know been a job with a ton of security in the past with Jason Kidd. You know, I, I don't. As far as the Celtics job, I don't. I like Terry Stotts. He brought up McCollum and Dame, so he's used to coaching two stars like Jalen and yeah, Terry Stotts Jason. would. You could find a lot worse player, a lot worse coaches than Terry Stotts to coach your team. But what do what do the Celtics need? They need defense. They don't really need offense. And what does Terry Stotts lack? Defense. Yeah, he's also lacked the defensive personnel in a lot of years. They actually played really well on defense whenever Nurkic was playing. For that's not yeah, you know. Nurkic is as a hell of a defensive player. And then Covington to stop stop being a good defensive. But anyway, well, I agree maybe, for the most part. Yeah, you're right. He hasn't historically been a good defensive coach. Um. But when you have Evan Turner, Dame Lillard, and McCollum as your backcourt, then I don't know how good of a defensive it's, coach you can it's be. It's tough, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the roster construction has been a big factor. Um, and Mello. Mello, yeah. I love Mello, but Mello shouldn't... I would be... rather... I mean, now, obviously, Carlisle would be oh, absolutely. a top contender for the Celtics job. Carlisle's the best. Wouldn't it be hilarious if like if if like Jason Kidd had a handshake deal with Brad Stevens and then Carlisle became available and now he's like hung out to dry because he turned down Trailblazers job? Maybe Kidd's just done a lot of reflection and he realizes he's a piece of shit and then that Portland would eat him up. I would love to believe that that's the case. Doesn't want to be in a liberal city. But um, let's move on quick. Uh, We'll kind of just basically give our brief thoughts on some of the NBA awards that happened the past couple weeks. Um, Lamel Ball wins rookie of the year. Go bear. We've no, already touched no on one defensive player of the year. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, one coach of the year. Should have been Nash. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think Monty I Williams is another good candidate. Oh, I'm stupid. Monty Williams. Absolutely. Um, the, the Knicks were fourth in the East. I think there's other coaches that, yeah, the Knicks played well, but I mean Quinn yeah, Schneider's yeah. up there too. I mean, took the Jazz to number one. We didn't see that coming. You had the you had the coming. Jazz missing the playoffs this year. No, it was it was a joke. Was it a joke? Or you Look, just not what want I, to re- what are, you don't even want to address that take. Was I wrong? Yes, but what did I say? It's the same team. They haven't they didn't get better. You know, and I said they, bottom of the West. All right. I said like six or seven seed or something like that. And you know what? We proved we were proved right when when they got ran out of the fucking gym. <laughs> Yeah, we'll take that small little victory lap after the Jazz proved us. They the lost wrong. with they lost without. They let Terrence Mann score thirty nine. I don't I don't feel bad about having them miss the playoffs. Um. Anyway, Jordan Clarkson, Sixth Man of the Year. Um. Randall MIP. James Jones, That's... Executive of the Year. I think that goes without saying. He had a you know, fantastic offseason, bringing in Chris Paul and uh, getting Jay Crowder. Um. Yeah, they, those are both extremely key additions for them. Um, I mean, what did they give up for Chris Paul? They gave up Sarich and a couple, like a first or something. And then they also, who the else did they give up? Is that it? No. No, they gave up somebody else. I feel like they gave up a decent amount of picks. Oh, yeah. I'm just talking about players. players. I know they gave up Sarich. I don't remember, honestly. I'll have to look that up. But James well, Jones. Had a great season in any case. Randall deserved MIP, regardless of how he played in the playoffs. No question. And that goes without saying, I think. Clarkson, I mean, there were some, some people who, you know, 
they hate on six man of the year as an award in general because it generally just goes to the player who scores the most points per game off the bench um and who plays the most minutes technically joel uh joe joe ingles was the sixth man of the jazz joe ingles scored like two points most of the year but he was technically the sixth man like jordan clarkson was the seventh man off the bench so how can you be sixth man (laughs) of the year if you're the seventh man off the bench that is what a lot of people were saying um that's kind of funny and yeah uh But in any case, uh, obviously Jokic MVP, but I I don't think we really have any, like, major, I mean, Gobert, obviously, defensive player of the year, Mm. boo, but. um, I think, I think Jokic deserved a defensive player, or MVP, but in terms of, like, who actually was the MVP, Chris Paul, but leadership isn't a stat. Oh, come on. So, That's when, the when biggest you, hot no, take I, of all time. I'm the biggest no, Chris no, Paul fan of all time. No, I'm not. Real quick, real quick, let me rephrase that. I'm not saying that Chris Paul should have won the award. I'm just saying who, who in my book brought their team the furthest. Like, the Nuggets were basically really good last year. Yeah, the and Nuggets the Suns was, were an eighth seed, and then Chris Paul came, and now they're that's second in about. the West. But, but Chris Paul was like 14 and 8, or like 16 and 8, whatever his averages were. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm saying that's that Chris a Steve, Paul That's won. a Steve Nash MVP right there. That's a worse typical, than a typical Suns and Suns no, fashion. There's no way that Kobe and Shaq <laughs> combined for the same amount of MVPs as fucking Steve Nash. And now you want to add a coach of the year to his resume? How dare you? <laughs> no, you're right. Monty Williams was a good pick. Yeah, Monty, Monty Williams had a he had a really 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 good year. Um, what if Danny Ainge goes into coaching? <laughs> would that be hilarious? They just flip it. The uh, Brad Stevens hires Danny Ainge as his uh, new coach. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think there's some Rooney Rule violations there, but uh, let's. Uh, I, I had to. I forgot to do this when I mentioned our bonus fry ball earlier with Chris Paul and his fifteen for uh, fifteen assists, zero turnovers. But as a kind of like a honorable mention to the bonus fry baller, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the account stat muse on twitter zach i've seen it are they the ones with the illustrations yeah they are they are they've been kind of on a uh kind of on a tear burning all bridges recently um with some of the stats that they've been uh tweeting about um very controversial but um basically roasting people with stats um yeah so to give a couple examples Here's, here's a stat about Doc Rivers, and this will transition actually really well oh. into our mailbag question. Doc Rivers' 2020 playoff exit, uh, Game 5 blew a 16-point lead. Game 6 blew a 19-point lead. Game 7 blew a 12-point lead. Doc Rivers' 2021 playoff exit, Game 4 blew an 18-point lead. Game 5 blew a 26-point lead at home. Game 7 lost at home to the opposing best player, shooting 5 of 23. Um. So that's 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 one. Uh, another tweet, uh, kind of a shit post. All three teams that backed out of trading for Kyle Lowry have now been el- eliminated: the Lakers, the Heat, and the Sixers, and the Raptors. <laughs> Somebody quote tweeted, "Now, now talk about the team that kept Kyle Lowry." <laughs> but everyone lost there, unless unless Lowry's coming back as a mentor, then yeah. you sign him as a hometown discount. Yeah, but if I you're mean, getting rid of if Lowry's not coming back. Point. If Lowry's not coming back, then yeah. it's a terrible move not to get at least something for him. Yeah. Um, another another key stat from StatMuse while we're here. 
Lowest free throw percentage in a single playoffs in NBA history with a minimum of 70 attempts. 34.2% Ben Simmons in 2021. 37.4% Shaq in 2006. And 38% Wilt Chamberlain in 1968. Elite company for Ben Simmons. 2006, didn't, wasn't that a title? Didn't Shaq win the title with, with the Miami heat. that year? was the Heat. Yeah. Um, and then Wilt didn't win in 68, Wilt won in 70, I think. Yeah. No, did they win in 68? I don't think he did. Let me look that up. I think that's too early. That's up. too early, I think. I think so, too. The Lakers, I think, won Next key stat. A fan has shot more one water bottle than Ben Simmons has in the fourth quarter in the last four games. <laughs> Zero field goals. <laughs> um, oh, man. Ben Simmons, zero for zero field goals in the fourth quarter of the last four games. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Ben Simmons had the best seat in the house of any Sixers fan. Um, watching watching the game, doing the Tony Snell thing, zero, zero, zeros while out on the court. Um, let's move on to our mailbag. Uh Noah, just a, just a quick, um, just a quick stat correction. Wilt did one win one in '67 with Philly, but his Lakers won uh-huh. in '72, so it was '68 he didn't win. Yeah, so '68 was not a championship year for him. No. Um, so our our mailbag uh, regarding yes. Doc Rivers, Noah asks: Is Doc to blame for the recent playoff failures? Is he a top five coach? <sighs> I don't think anybody said he was a top five coach. No. Um, Did he go through Popovich, Phil Jackson? Yeah, here I, I listed a couple of them out here. We can decide which ones okay. are better than Doc Rivers, Eric Spolstra. All time or currently? No, just current. Current top oh, five coach okay. right now. Yeah, not Sorry. ever. Um, so we got Eric Spolstra, who's obviously better than him. You know, nobody's yep. going to disagree with that. No Nick Nurse, that. I think we can both agree is better than him at this point. Obviously, he had struggles this year but he's still a better overall coach than doc rivers rick carlisle better coach than doc rivers i think you can comfortably i think they're in the same vein same tier for you same i think they're in the same tier yeah carlisle's good but i think i think carlisle makes better adjustments but carlisle hasn't had the same talent so i'll say carlisle is better yeah i would say carlisle's better too he's won a championship with less talent and he's been consistently really good not to say Rivers hasn't, but he's been yeah. consistently really good with multiple rosters um, on the same team as they were like building, rebuilding kind of more um, with younger guys. Doc Rivers jumped to the Clippers, who always had a good team with Chris Paul, Blake, or uh, with, um, yeah, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, yeah, that was, straight from, that was straight from the Celtics team. That was really good. And then he had. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, basically right after that. And, you know, he had the one really good year with the overachieving role-player Clippers team, you know, uh, with, you know, Tobias Harris and Patrick Beverly and, and Danilo Gallinari, those guys. But I th- I think overall, Carlo's a better coach. But um, Popovich? I'm not going to... I don't. I don't know what Popovich is at this point. I don't know if he's better than certain oh, absolutely. certain coaches or worse than certain coaches. Oh, absolutely. But he's better. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's t- 
top five probably still. I would no think question. he just no doesn't question. have talent right now. Just like Belichick, just because they missed the, just because they lost. Yeah, yeah, but just I mean, they they've also underachieved mean. too in some years recently with some of the guys that they had. I mean, I don't know. He's, I think he's lost a step for sure, and I think his coaching style is a little more outdated than it used to be. But I still think he's premier, um, one of the premier coaches. Um, you got you got Monty Williams, you got you got Quinn Schneider, you got Steve Kerr, you got McMillan, Malone, Budenholzer, Billy Donovan, Terry Stotts, Steve Nash. I think better Doc than, falls better than Stotts better than Donovan. I think I think yeah, I think he's better than Donovan probably. He's better than Stotts. The jury's out on Nash still. He's a first year head coach. I don't really even want to rank him really. He had yeah. all the talent in the world, but they were hurt for a lot of the year. They still were awesome. So credit to him. Kerr, you know, I think the Warriors overachieved this year, even with Steph back. Um, I think I got to credit Kerr a little bit for this season. I think that Doc Rivers comfortably falls out of the top five. He's probably eight or nine on my list. At this point, I just, I just refuse. Like this guy's a when guy you take into account playoffs, especially. They're consistent. He's consistently coached over the last ten or fifteen years. Yeah, a team that's going to go to the second round of the playoffs, at least. And this is a team who's a top five team in the NBA every year. And yeah, it has talent, but and the, and the he's art, always the had talent, pretty much. He's always had talent, and the counter argument is talent can win you games in the regular season. Coaching can probably take you over the top mm-hmm. in the postseason when you have comparable talent but different coaches yeah but i refuse to believe that a team like like when like when you had the clippers you have Kawhi and paul george hitting the side of a backboard and i'll just falling apart I, I refuse to believe that just because they're missing good shots like what what is he supposed to say attack the rim more when you have a wide open three when they're great players and you kind of let the players he's and in this case you're an B turnover away from from moving on and playing the bucks i, I just and all those years with the Clippers, I mean, you have some Chris Paul injuries. You have some Blake Griffin injuries. Um, when he was coaching the Celtics, they were going to the Eastern semifinals, Eastern Conference finals against LeBron and the Heat, and that's when LeBron was in his prime, obviously. LeBron could be still in his prime. Who knows? <laughs> He's a – whatever. So I think there's I – mean, when I was talking with Noah and you about this is name, a, name one time when you're like, you know what, Doc Rivers did that, did that specific thing wrong. And that's hard to say as a coach because we don't know what what they schemed or what they didn't scheme. But it's not like he didn't call a timeout when he should have, or he didn't. Maybe it's a lack of mental toughness for these teams. But I refuse to believe that a, a top five team in the league in the regular season all of a sudden bad coaching in the postseason causes them to lose these series when it's very clearly oh they stopped making shots or you know. Let me count sure the some of the blame. Let me count sure, the number but, of players that Doc Rivers played in a game seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and maybe eleven under a minute here. No, no minute registered, but he's, he's not marked as a DNP. You go eleven deep. You have Seth Curry playing only thirty minutes when he has sixteen points. Um, you have George Hill playing twenty-one minutes uh, when he's a minus fifteen, game high minus fifteen for the game. He has three three points. Um, you're playing, you're playing Dwight Howard 
and Shake Milton real minutes. Oh, Shake had a good game last series. Yeah, he uh, did. Earlier this series. He, he did, but if you're choosing to play George Hill, Matisse Tybel, Tyrese Maxey, and then also Shake Milton, you can't do that. You can't do that in a playoff series. You, I think you're, go- you're going for defense when you're playing those guys over Curry when, you know. If, your if whole Curry's team is supposed on, to be a good defense. You have, you have well, Simmons not, and Embiid. Curry's, Curry's not a good defender. Okay, but he's the only guy who can score. Not you can't say yeah. having Curry out there is a negative, like, no a net negative. He's the only guy who can like keep that offense going at times. Like you have to play him. You can't play him thirty minutes, dude. The rotations management for Doc has always been an issue. He's also never been a great play caller. He's also been really slow to make adjustments, like Bud. There's a reason his teams will blow in enormous leads and lose series even even not just in-game leads but series leads like at at a certain point with different rosters you have to admit this guy he's at least part of the problem yes he is definitely part of the problem but he's definitely he's also coached the most game sevens in nba history and he don't just do that by being a shitty coach so yeah, but you also not, you also not, do that with a lot of talent, too. Yep. You know, am I giving him a pass for not winning these games? No, but am I am I placing more blame on the players than him? Yes. He won one title with basically a big four. Yeah. Probably, you know. Or the most talented top four in that era for you know a decade, basically. Well, I mean, besides the Spurs, who had I'd say three and a half, but the Celtics. But Rondo, Rondo was a big. I mean, Rondo obviously was a huge part of that. But Spurs were a big three. What'd you say? Spurs were more of a big. I mean, with Ka- Kawhi. Well, they towards they the were end. a big three. No, I'm saying they were a big three. I'm just saying like yeah. the Celtics were considered a big three, but in hindsight, they're a big four. But yeah, that year anyway, with Rondo playing the way he was. Yeah. But in any case, I, uh, I, Doc is not a top five coach. I think we can both agree on that. Um, no, we can definitely agree on that. I think that Doc is to blame for his playoff failures, at least in part. I think that his players have also not given him, you know, he, he's faced injuries multiple years with the Bob City Clippers. You know, he had... Paul George have get in his own head with the Kawhi Leonard Clippers. Um, and, you know, this year, obviously, Philly roster construction-wise, you know, worked out well for them in the regular season, but Ben Simmons just... turn over away from tying the game. Ben Simmons just having an awful series and... You know, kind of being saved by Seth Curry becoming Steph Curry for a couple games there, and uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's, it's a he's failed game. with it's too a, he's failed with too many rosters for it to not be somewhat his fault, and not it's a it's a pattern at this point. Like he he has a lot of flaws and a lot of visible flaws that you can see throughout a game. I think, and I kind of disagree with you there, where you say you can't point to one thing he's done. I think you can point to a couple more than a couple things he's done 
not maybe in-game management as far as like, did he call this timeout or did he whatever, but he doesn't, you know, rotations wise and play calling wise and adjustments wise, he is never been, that's never been a strong suit. He's been a good leader maybe, but. I think regardless of that, I mean, how is he to blame for and be turning the ball over with him? I'm not saying play? he's, is, I'm not saying he's to blame for that, but the fact that he is well, actively I, detrimental I, to his team in those other ways, that makes him to blame. I'm saying, is that, are those, but those, he's not at fault for the player's mistakes at the end of the day, but that doesn't change his detriment to the team in other ways. They're starting in a hole with him doing those things. I don't know. I don't know. I think that that's the case. That's the same with Bud. You start in a hole every game with him being his stupid, stubborn self. When have you ever, like, just just because he plays Curry 30 minutes one one game doesn't mean he's had a history of I, I, yet, not play. Real quick, I'm just... I'm talking to si- Sixers people have said throughout the entire year that he has a history of rotations, poor rotations management. It's not just this one game. It's not just this one series. It's not just with the Sixers. When has he ever not played his stars enough in his career? Throughout his career. I've never, I haven't seen that. You're playing, you played Paul Pierce like 35 minutes a game when Paul Pierce was like 36. Oh, 35 minutes per game. Wow, that's almost like Giannis numbers. The Bucks playoffs. Not during the regular <laughs> season. Not during the regular season. Okay, let's move on. I think we've talked enough about fraud, fraud Doc Rivers um, <laughs> for one podcast. Yeah. Let's well, move I, on to yeah. some conference finals previews series um Milwaukee Bucks Atlanta Hawks and Bucks and four Phoenix Suns LA Clippers Bucks and four Bucks and four is uh it's bold it's bold I think the Bucks are really very much the better team but Trey Young has proved everyone wrong this entire playoffs. Yeah, but and he hasn't had a. They're a hot gonna, shooting he hasn't team. Face a defender like Drew Holiday. Yeah, he hasn't. But the Hawks are absolutely the type of shooting team that could give Bud and the Bucks drop coverage issues. You know, Kevin Herter shooting like he was in this series. Trey Young shooting like he was for a lot of this series. You know, he obviously had a bad game seven, but. You know, he's the reason they won this series. Um, You know, you have guys like Gallinari who have the ability to go off. You have guys like... uh, They played a lot better defense than a lot of people thought they would. But, you know, they can't guard the Bucs the same way that they guarded the Sixers. You can't play all the way off Giannis like you can play all the way off Simmons and have him be a non-factor. And you can't play off... You know, you got attacking guards like Drew Holiday and, you know, you have Chris Middleton, who's way better than Tobias Harris, effectively a similar role. Tobias Harris had a hell of a series, though. He did, but Chris Middleton is objectively a way better player than Tobias Harris. He's objectively a better player, yes. So, I mean, the Bucs, 
have the defense to give the Hawks trouble. Sixers have, you know, had a great defense too, but I would say that just well more the Bucks are more well rounded with the defensive personnel that they can throw at them. Um, and I think they have a way better offense than Philly. So I would be shocked if, if Philly wins a game. Uh, I mean, if, if Atlanta wins a game, that's really bold. I'm maybe it's my scar tissue from the Bucks, but I, I would, I would do Bucks in five or six. I can't decide which. You guys are gonna lose two to the Hawks after you. The Sixers lost four to the Hawks. You're not even close to the level of the Sixers. You're much better than the Sixers. Especially with Simmons playing like that. If Simmons plays at a, a two year, a year ago All Star level during the regular season, like he, in the playoffs, yeah, but yeah, they were much Seth Curry. Team. Seth Curry was playing out of his mind, like you said. Tobias Harris had a good series. I mean, it's not like Philly. I mean, Embiid was playing out of meniscus, but he's still having a great series, regardless. Yeah. So I don't but know. You're a better defender, the defensive team. I agree. I agree. I'm and going in Bucks in five anybody, or six. At least Capella's on Embiid, so he's you know it's a big body on a big body. Who's guarding Giannis? No, nobody John can. Gu- nobody can guard Giannis in this series. No one can guard, and, and Capella couldn't guard Embiid. But at least it's like it's like a Tucker on, um, not even close to a Tucker on Katie, but it's that kind of mentality. The Hawks just have the body. Hawks have so many players. Got a that lot of can players that can make a, who can get a bucket. I yeah, agree. exactly. And you know the Bucks drop coverage could struggle against that. And I could totally see a game where they just all go off at once and the Bucks can't hit their shots. Like we've seen them not be able to hit their shots in certain games and things just go wrong and the Hawks to pull one out. You know, I maybe so. I hope it, so. It's definitely so, a possibility for a couple games. <laughs> I but hope. I think overall the Bucks are the way better team. I think they can take care of the Hawks. Um, I think your confidence and your cohesiveness after beating the Nets is maybe if you lose two out of the first three, somehow I could see maybe the series going seven, maybe if like that just rocks your confidence. But I think you guys, you guys got locked in. You guys playing with that dog mentality. You guys just beat the Nets. Yeah, playing great basketball. I mean, you guys. They I can't mean, get complacent you, after that, though. They can't take the Hawks lightly and then just kind of. I don't know. That's what Nathan said. Hey, Nathan I've, Marzonian. I've, I've seen Mike Bumholzer uh, shit the bed before, and I'll see it again, I'm sure. Um, and, the, and the words of Nathan? The, um, can we not you gotta do win, that on you gotta this win podcast? Four, <laughs> gotta win, you got to win four games. Okay. Uh, the series isn't over until you win four games, buddy. Let's move on to Phoenix Clippers. Okay. Suns have already won a game. Without Chris Paul. They have. And without Kawhi. Clippers did not have Kawhi Leonard. Without Kawhi. Um, it looks like game two is also going to be without either of those players. So it's going to be effect, you know, the same teams. Uh, Booker had a fantastic game one. He really Insane. took on the scoring and playmaking role. Um, campaign also took on the assists, uh, the, you know, point God role. I think he had like 11 assists, like 10 points or something like that. And he, uh, he called Chris Paul immediately after the game. 
or whatever. Uh, and Chris Paul was shooting a State Farm commercial from home at the time, and <laughs> and the TikTok having the time of his life. Yeah, having doing TikToks with his kids. Um, I think Phoenix wins this series, um, and you know a lot of it has to do with Clippers not having Kawhi Leonard and. Chris Paul is expected to come back at some point. Kawhi Leonard, you know, he might not even be back f- for the rest of the playoffs. We don't know. It was an ACL. It was an It was an ACL injury, and we don't know how serious of an ACL injury it was. But I have never seen a not serious ACL injury before. Um, I can't imagine him coming back this series. And I, I I can't even imagine a world where he comes back at all, but like at the very least, like especially not at the level that he could, you know, he would play otherwise. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a structural thing. Like a meniscus is one thing where it's like it's not. It's the connector, so it's you can technically play on it. It just hurts a lot. So Embiid played on the meniscus. An ACL is a structural thing, so it's it's much harder to play on. No one's ever played on torn ACL except for I think like Philip Rivers and then Carson Wentz for a play. Kobe for a free throw, for some free throws. That was an that was that an was Achilles, an Achilles. But yeah, that was an Achilles. Um, but yeah, well, yeah, you're right. No one's ever played on an ACL. You're out for a year. Yeah, dude, that's just it. Just is what it is. I think Phoenix so, matches up really well against LAC, regardless. Um, they have the wing defenders to give the Clippers wings trouble. You know, you have, you have Miles Bridges and you have Jay Crowder that you can throw at, at them. Um, and they have the guards offensively where the Clippers don't have those type of guard defenders really. Um, at least not at that level. I, I think it's a really good matchup for Phoenix anyway. Um, and Aiden, you know, he can just go to work against the Clippers' lack of rim protection. But I just think that it really leans Phoenix's way in a lot of ways, not only from a health standpoint, but from just a matchup standpoint to begin with. And when you don't have Kawhi, like, you have to rely on Paul George and Terrence Mann, basically, for your offensive, like, big scores. So, yeah, I'm picking Phoenix in five wow yeah i mean i I think especially if if Kawhi leonard doesn't come back and even if he does i still am not confident that the clippers will do very well anyway because he's gonna be limited so i got phoenix in five i'm sticking with it i think terrence mann could turn into the next uh like michael porter kobe Kobe bryant He's the next Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Just like Devin Booker? Um, yeah, he's the next... Uh, he's the next Michael Devin Johnson. Booker. He's the next Kobe Bryant. He's the next Danny Ainge. Um, so, he's the next Doc Rivers. I don't know why I'm defending Doc Rivers so much, but... I don't either. You just like to play devil's just, advocate. No, maybe. Yeah, you but do. Honestly, I think it's, it's a player's game when the players win. Unless you're Phil Jackson or or Red Arbach, then you credit, you know, but even when it's Phil Jackson, okay, you credit, can you, can credit, you get credit, on to your credit point, credit get on to your point. 
terms of this series, I think Terrence Mann can have it's like Michael Porter Jr. played well in the first round. Then the, the pressure starts to mount a little bit. He and the shots get a little tighter. You get a little you get a little tighter as a player. So I don't know if Terrence Mann's gonna be able to drop thirty nine in Kawhi's absence again. Yeah, you can't so rely little, on him consistently. You can't rely on him to make those kind of you know, have that kind of game again, especially against the Suns defense. Completely agree. I I can see, you know, Booker had an insane game this game. I think maybe, you know, never know Paul George can have insane. And also Booker throughout, even lately, he's been a little streaky in terms of his effect, in terms of his, his shot making. His effectiveness and, and decision making has, has been consistently great this year. But he's sometimes a little bit of a streaky shooter. Um, yeah, even no in, the Nuggets, in the Nuggets series, Chris Paul was, you know, probably their best offensive player. And Booker was really good too, but he wasn't scoring at the level that He's shown that he can. So I think, you know, if Booker has an off game in game two and Paul George has like a 38-point night and then you get something out of – and Marcus Morris may not play. Marcus Morris is is questionable. So I think the Clippers are just have an uphill uphill battle. I think what it comes down to is Chris Paul is definitely coming back this series. Mm -hmm. We don't know if Kawhi is coming back. And also we don't know, you know, Chris was vaccinated, right? And then he was tested negative. Or tested positive, and then he's got to do. So he was vaccinated. If he wasn't vaccinated, then COVID may play an impact, like it played on Cam and other Cam Newton and other players. Yeah, he wasn't showing COVID. symptoms, regardless. Even if I wasn't don't know. showing symptoms, so doubtful that COVID will have an impact on his, you know, cardiovascular. You know, Doctor Ben and Doctor Zach checking in right now. That's right. But um, let's say let's say the Suns win next game. The Suns are up 2-0. Kawhi is able to play in Game Three. Clippers win one, then the Suns win one, then it's 3-1, going back to Phoenix. I think if the Clippers, uh, yeah, I, I'd say Suns and six. Suns and six? But if Kawhi plays, I'd say Clippers and six. I think, I think, I think it should be, a, it should be a Clippers, um, Clippers Nets finals with, without injuries. Uh, maybe even a Lakers I don't know. Nets finals I, I think injuries, the but... Suns still match up really, really well against the Clippers, even, with they don't have anybody for Ka- they don't have anybody for Kawhi. I, I mean, nobody has anything anybody for Kawhi, but they they have Shea Crowder and Miles Bridges, two of the best perimeter defenders this year. As so, good as Jay Crowder's like, been, Jay Crowder has gotten absolutely bodied by healthy stars when they're healthy. He thinks he he thinks he's like this LeBron stopper, and he was for like one game. Okay, LeBron James is one thing, and Kawhi is. Not as good as LeBron. Not well. Not as good as LeBron, obviously, all time. But when, like, in terms of health, right now, a a healthier—I don't even know what I'm saying—a healthier. It's late. A healthier Kawhi, like a fully healthy Kawhi, is better than whatever. I don't know. It's not even cool without saying that's what I was trying to say. But a fully healthy Kawhi is still a top five, top seven player in the league. And then you have Paul George. So if you have both of those guys dropping 30 like they have been this playoffs, when they're Paul George and Kawhi are playing their best combined basketball they've played as a unit this this playoff series, this playoffs. And um, I don't think the Suns could do anything with that. All right. But um, that's just not how it works. And injuries are part of the game. So I think it, I think we're going to see a Suns Bucks finals, and then Bucks and Bucks and four. <laughs> I admire your confidence in my team more than me. 
hey, I got to give respect where respect is due. You guys, you guys stepped up. You guys changed your way of playing. You guys made the adjustment that was necessary. If you guys play like you guys did in game two, even with a, a limping heart and even with a an out Kyrie, because Kyrie was healthy in game three. Like you said, played 44 minutes. So, and you guys won that game. Yep. So I, you guys just changed your mentality and, and turned back into the team that's a dominant team on both ends of the floor. Yeah. I think you guys had that confidence back. Yeah. Two, two, two quick things to, I, I didn't really mention it earlier when we were talking about Bucks Nets, but last thing before we wrap up the pod tonight, um, got to give Bud credit for playing his stars <laughs> and his starters in down the stretch. He decided to be a dumbass and do his typical Bud thing in game one. And then basically from there on out, he played his best players, the minutes they deserved. minutes a game. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. Number two, second half of uh, of game seven. Um, I don't know if it was right at the beginning of the second half or it was maybe part of the way through the third or something, but they made the adjustment where they took Brooke Lopez off of Bruce Brown and put him on Blake Griffin instead, which took away it changed the way the the nets were playing offense and really disjointed them um and i think that was a big big adjustment that bud made um to effectively you know help them close out the series so and props. also blake was in, blake was in foul trouble in that fourth quarter so Giannis was able to eat a little bit more not that he wasn't eating on blake earlier but yeah. just you First, know Giannis yeah. on Bruce Brown wasn't able to get the floater game going anymore when Giannis switched on to him instead of uh, Brooke. And, you know, Blake couldn't do enough off ball to really make Brooke pay for being on him. So that was big. Um, That, you know, that doesn't uh, mean that I'm going to be giving Bud a pass for the rest of the playoffs just because he squirted out a game seven victory but I, I think you i think you we'll liked the tweet that, that said if bud wins the finals he should still be fired you stand by that <laughs> i said if bud well i don't know about that i think he probably has to stay if he wins the finals if he loses in the finals i think he could still be fired depending on how he coaches but because I, I think, think at this point, at this point, when you beat the, the Nets, Nets, what are your expectations? Your expectations are to win the finals. Anything less of that is a failure. The Any, Especially with an injured Clippers team. Injured Clippers team, maybe an injured Suns team. I, I mean, Chris Paul is going to be bad. Sun, but, Suns will be probably fully healthy, so it'll be a battle. Yeah, but I mean, I think the Bucks are better than the Suns as a team, talent wise. So, I did too. It just depends on the coaching and how the players play, but. Yeah. Well, um, to the loyal listeners, we Ben and I, you know, we game planned this podcast, and we said after forty minutes, we'll move on to our predictions for the next round. It is hour two. Yeah, it is. Depending on how you edit this, which there's only one edit to, that needs to be made, and that's on eighteen minutes worth of edits. So this is hour two of episode nineteen of the Backseat GM podcast. Um, the Western Conference, Eastern Conference Finals edition. No, 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 no. Yeah, but uh, it's been fun, Zach. Uh, Always a pleasure, Ben. You can find us on Simplecast, Spotify, and Apple Music. Uh, you can find us on the socials at Backseat GM Pod. 
Twitter and Instagram. Uh, until eh, we might do one before the finals. Who knows? Oh, we, we will. We will. We'll make we'll make it thirty minutes, and then it'll be an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure everybody um, will love that. I'll wait till the the John Stockton anti-vax fallout subsides, mm-hmm. and then maybe around episode forty-seven, I'll pull out some sabermetric stats that proves that Stockton's a, and just the fact that he went to two finals and Chris Paul hasn't been. But that may change. Chris Paul may win a finals this year. You never know. That would vault him over Stockton, in my opinion. Stockton yeah, never. If won. he wins a finals, he's for sure over Stockton. Stockton never undisputed, won. even though he, even though he had a, he went two game sixes against Jordan. That was at the end of his career, so it wasn't as effective. But in the nineties, hey, you didn't get past Clyde, didn't get past the Rockets a couple times, even though you hit that big shot against the. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Well, this has Either been a way. hell of a playoffs. I uh, can't wait to keep uh, talking about it with you next week. Um, Noah and I were. We've never been bigger haters than we were against the Bucks. We 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 hate we hate Kevin Garnett. All of us, uh, uh, Kevin Durant. We don't hate Kevin Garnett. All of us hate Kevin Durant so much. But no and I were rooting for him so hard <laughs> to take down. I'm sure you were. The, we were. We called each other every game, and we're just no. Let's go, KD. Let's go. Yeah. We were said like we were talking about the Nets as we like. Oh, we almost got this. We got this. You guys are pathetic. No, Rocket, Rockets fan and a Lakers fan watching from the sidelines, cheering on, cheering against one of their best friends' happiness. And you know what? Makes but it, now makes it even sweeter. But the way you've handled this, and the way you've you've acknowledged that injuries are part of the problem, and then you've given like props to Katie, it, it's not how I expected you to handle this. And I, I'm sorry for rooting against. I thought you were gonna just. I don't know. You handled this much better than I thought you were, and I want. I, I'm. I think the Bucks will win the title, and I wish you guys all the best. Just proves time and time again that I continue to be the bigger man than Zach. Um, <laughs> after he was the bigger man and admitted his wrongdoing just now. <laughs> <laughs> we're bigger. We're bigger together. That's right. Uh, until next time, Zach. Until next time. Zach.